welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. As always, I am Justin, and I am joined by... Tea Time Beth. Calamity Sam. And I'm still recovering from spending the majority of my morning in a very crowded room full of strangers. Also, I'm Caleb. <laughs> Hi, Caleb. I like that you're now actually ending your intro with, also, I'm Caleb, so that it makes sense when I say, hi, Caleb. I usually have tried to do that, and I get interrupted with, hello, Caleb. I'm trying to help you out. (laughs) In case we all forget. Yeah. All right. Today's episode is the latter half of part four, uh, in which a whole bunch of things happened. How's everyone doing? Knives. I'm still Knives. recovering from being in a room full of crowded strangers. Oh, the book is yeah, that was pretty hectic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We will. Uh, we'll get two parts when we get to it. But I think when when I was breaking the book down into episodes, uh, I think this was the episode that I noticed even when I was doing the breakdown of this is going to be the one that has a bunch to lead up to it and then is going to have a bunch of payoff. So. Very excited to get into this section today. Yeah, it's weird from a... Again, we'll get to it when we get to it. We are we are leading up to what feels like um, uh, perhaps characters uh, uh, making their leave and perhaps no longer being a part of the series shortly. Um, but in terms of like effect on plot, this feels like the Kelsey or Death episode almost of like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, things are happening now. This oh, that yeah. just happened. <laughs> okay. All right. We're in it now. Whoa. Whoa. That was me twirling a pencil and smacking my mic stand. I do that <laughs> once in a while and then I have to cut Trump, them out. Justin Trump's is recording in inside of an oil barrel. <laughs> yeah, it's a little spring. <laughs> it's a spring that keeps it up. So when I do this... It sounds so good. (laughs) That's a pretty cool sound, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how um, hitting, like, radio-mast support wires is, I believe, the blaster sounds from Star Wars. I thought Um, it was either that or lightsabers, but yes, that sounds very familiar. Yes. I may have to leave one of those sounds in because this was a fun digression and I want to keep it. Okay. (laughs) But we should probably get to what we read today. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, we will start with our epigraphs. And there's some in this section that actually have some things to think about. Uh, But the the lead-in is Quan, as we wrapped up the section, he said, I might be mad, uh, but you have to be able to trust what you've experienced. And we will see what it is that he experienced. I had to refer back to past epigraphs for every chapter of this section. <laughs> I had to be like, what did he just say? What was before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ugh. it's, it's, Seizet has the whole thing. So it, there's probably not going to be some giant plot twist at the in the very last couple of epigraphs. But if there is a specific point Quan is leading up to and he hasn't gotten there yet, he should get there. We... Shall see. I mean, he's kind of already, he's kind of already told us, I assume, the main point of, well, no, he still hasn't really explained, uh, I don't, I don't know, man, he's just talking in circles, I want him to say something. 
we'll see where it gets. Uh, but starting chapter 44 proper, uh, it is in, we have Breeze and Clubs here, the sort of odd couple duo that we saw before. Uh, and Clubs says, this is it. This is going to be a, there's going to be something that happens militarily very shortly, and it probably won't be good. Uh, because what they see is, or at least what Club says is going to happen, is uh, Straff's army is going to back out. The Kolos are going to attack. And then Straff comes in and mops up the pieces from whichever side happened to win. Yeah. So with, with with our main characters kind of sitting at the pinch point of this, not a uh, not a good place to be. And given this combination of three armies, this is kind of the, like worst case scenario of set was not good but he no. was i think preferable to straff set's gone um we don't want the colossus to directly attack the city they're apparently going to and then once the colossus have done all the damage straff is going to come in and win <laughs> like of all the different possibilities of things that could have happened this is one of the worst possibilities i feel like <laughs> yeah it's messy but uh, I did get quick turnaround podcast points because Seth's going bye-bye. That's what I said. Bye, Seth. You are legitimately a fun character. Have fun in Haverfrex. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a shame. Have fun with your cannery. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out what's in the cans. <laughs> what's in the cans? <laughs> uh, we also get a good line from clubs about how we were dead the moment the army first got here. We're just good at stalling. Um, it reminds me of uh, there's a there's a song in Breaking Brad that I think was made by like a like a bunch of fans, and then they ended up being asked to perform it on the show. Um, but the last line of the refrain is "He's already dead. He just doesn't know it yet." And I think about that line a lot. And here we have Club saying, "Oh, we even know we're dead. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just going to actually happen soon." I mean, some of the the survivors gang have had it in their head for years that they're essentially dead. Either because the Lord Ruler was going to catch them and kill them, or, you know, something would go wrong with a, a noble heist, or now one of these armies. Like, they've been, they've been in a bad spot for a long time. So, w with the axe actually seeming like it's about to fall, Clubs at least is saying, yeah, this is what we signed up for. People are starting to get accustomed to the concept of losing. Mm -hmm. the, the light concept, which has not come to fruition yet. <laughs> and Vin and Zane, which they don't know that Zane was there. Uh, so this is, you know, they're doing this math with one Mistborn. But it's still, Ham says, 300 men in maybe 10 minutes is is the damage that Vin did. Yeah. She's tough. I do want to focus on something you said, though. Uh, you said Spook is here, too. <laughs> and that's been the book so far. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't worry. He contributes to this scene. He calls Vin crazy. He sure does. Perfect. <laughs> Shut up, Spook. <laughs> this is shortly followed by Ham shrugged. He looked haggard. This wasn't his element dealing with armies. Is it? Are, are we sure that's not his 
like I know Ham is a really like hands-on, like on the ground, boots on the ground kind of guy, but Kelser specifically picked him for this role and to just be like, nah, it's not really his scene. It just feels strange because I don't know. If it said Breeze's thing wasn't dealing with armies, that would make sense. It just kind of it felt slightly strange for the military representative of the crew to be told, nah, he doesn't really like armies. <laughs> I think there may be a difference perhaps between dealing with armies and dealing with soldiers. That's fair. And, and Ham has one of those more than the other. Yeah. Yeah. Dealing with sleeveys. Exactly. Well, he, he, he dealt with the sleeveys all right. He got rid of them. <laughs> yeah, no sleeveys anymore. You, you showed remarkable restraint. We talked about Ham's armies for like two minutes before sleeveys <laughs> came up. So I just wanted to <laughs> applaud that. Yay. <laughs> but you have a point. Like, you know, this is the guy that had the army in the last book until right. Eden yeeted the army uh, into death. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, I think he's good at training them. Maybe not good at telling them to go die. <laughs> I don't know. The other thing that we learn in this scene is that Vin is MIA. She did not return to Keep Venture after last night. And uh, there's people out looking for her and they haven't found her yet. So not a great situation to be in. Mm. Maybe Set killed her. <laughs> With all of his fighting capabilities. That's right. Uh, where does it say? Somebody says, somebody suggests the possibility. Yeah, Uh it was uh whose POV is this? Ham? Ellen? Yeah, Ellen's POV, I think. Okay, so Ellen is worried that Set killed her. <laughs> okay. Okay, Ellen. <laughs> this is the lady that killed the Lord Ruler. <laughs> Set you know is like a, a, a crippled. He, he can't even walk. Like Well, come on. in Ellen's defense, this whole chapter is I trust Vin, I'm sure she had a good reason for doing it, and Vin did directly tell Ellen I think Set is a mistborn, so I could see Ellen also thinking, yeah, maybe Set did have something up his sleeve. But something that this crew here is starting to try to talk through uh, is some of the elementic things that Vin has been doing. That we've seen uh, some of this is uh, her use of Duralumin, uh, and some of it is just you know, being kind of extremely dedicated physically. Uh, but you know, Ham is saying the the wounds that she took during the fight in the assembly, uh, even with Pewter, probably should have killed her. The the things that that she's done is like like what's going on here? It's Duralumin. It's all all the Duralumin. Uh, Zane will figure it out because it tends soon. Um. I don't feel like Zane is the type of person to tell other people about it, though. So maybe it's still no, safe. He's, he's too busy playing weird mental games. <laughs> weird, <laughs> let's poison my dad again games. God. <laughs> you know, I I figured it out, and we'll get to them later. Uh, but I think that Straff Venture and anyone in close proximity to them think that they are in A Song of Ice and Fire. Hmm. And are trying to out-politic and out-backstab each other as, you know, the the rest of the book progresses in a different direction. 
Can I make a slight addendum to that statement? You can. Whenever Straff is on screen, he and others around him think he is in a Song of Ice and Fire. That's fair. But there are frequently points where it seems like Straff suddenly remembers he is in Song of Ice and Fire as if he does not like live his daily life doing that. Both times he gets poisoned. It's like, what the... F- what what were you doing before? What? <laughs> I've never read it or watched it. I read a little <laughs> bit. Not a lot. Yeah, I'm not a Game of Thrones guy. Nor I. I read it. I I read all of it and then went, I don't remember any of this. And <laughs> moved on with my life. See, for me, it's just that I'm not a fantasy guy. Like, I hate fantasy books. Mm-hmm. All of them? Horrible. All of them. Terrible. <laughs> Especially the ones where uh, Jastys is paying Kolos with wooden coins. Hey, oh, love that no. segue. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is the other thing. Uh, Spook has a, a contribution to make here uh, because he went out and did some scouting uh, and recovered uh, some very poor quality fake coins. And apparently this is how we saw several chapters ago that Jastes was controlling the Coloss just by paying them. Uh, he's apparently decided to stop actually having the money to pay them and is making crude fakes to pay them with and control them that way. And they made their way to Luthadel. Dox's throwaway line was real. Remember about the counterfeit money way back when? Mm-hmm. The assembly wanted to talk about mm-hmm. it? Yeah. That is, that's this. I didn't have a prediction about what it was, or if I did, it was wrong, but, you know. But it, it was, in fact, relevant. What was the other thing? They sent him two letters. One was about the counterfeit that they wanted to some action on. I can't remember. I'll have to look it up, because I'm pretty sure the other was something else that actually did happen as well. It was actually pertinent and worth mm-hmm. paying attention to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Brandon doesn't throw away lines. I'm learning this. I'm learning his machinations here. And we end this scene uh, with the news that uh, Vin has in fact been found. And for at least another couple chapters, I'm going to say that Orser has found her. Yeah, hmm. Orser. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's good to see him. Yeah. Sure is all that time that we spent with him. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Love Orser. Him and his, him as a dog. He he really did love being a dog. Orser's one of my favorite characters. I mean, we didn't get to know him very well in Final Empire, but it's really cool that we got to know Orser this book. I'm happy that he's in this chapter too. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, Vin was in fact located. Ellen decides to go alone to meet up with her along with with Orser uh, because he does realize that this well he he says that that he doesn't want to give away orser's secret uh, or reveal that anymore uh but he also you know he trusts vin and not everybody else exactly does at the moment yeah i don't you know she's not it, it's okay to be unstable Vin is one of those people that is not stable. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the circumstances that she's gone through, you know, the her childhood, the way she grew up, it has not lent itself to stability. 
It's okay to recognize that and handle it accordingly, but don't don't act like she's a rock. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It's I, I agree. Like sh- girls going through a lot, girl needs some help. It the way that Ham and Spook were talking about it in the first part of this chapter is weird. Just like all of a sudden, like oh well, she's fucking crazy. I was like, where did that where did that come from? Yeah, I I, I think I agree. I wonder if. I wonder if part of that is just because... Well, Lester Bourne says also no excuse, but I wonder if part of it is just because <laughs> they were with Kelsey for so long and Kelsey was very adamant about, like, yeah, I'm insane. I'm really, like, unhinged, guys. And um, so much of this book is about how similar is Vin to Kelsey now that she has to step up. Um, is she better? Is she worse in, in certain regards? Um, and I wonder if this is a little bit of Ham kind of projecting, like, yep, our Mistborn's crazy. That's just how they are. Um, but I do agree that it's, yeah, they don't, they haven't really talked about Vin this way before. And now all of a sudden, um, yeah, they, uh, yeah, I don't want to say they turn on her real quick, but they do, they turn a corner on her real quick, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It is, it is a a corner turn worthy event to kill 300 people in 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, you're not wrong. So the place that vin ended up hiding out and that ellen has now made his way to is actually cayman's old lair from way back in the the early days of final empire Uh, she's been hiding in one of the the little watch holes uh, which is i think a place that we saw her hiding in before because they're small and private and the two of them actually get a chance to have a a good talk there's you know there's a lot going on and it's not going to get resolved right away uh, but Vin actually has a chance to say what she's been going through and and Ellen listens god bless <laughs> I didn't pick up that this was the old lair um, I'm, I'm dumb but that makes sense well I was going to say <laughs> I do love how because it's from Ellen's perspective it takes a while for that detail to become um, at all apparent because Ellen's never been there. Um, right. So it's kind of a fun twist for us where, uh, you know, it's not like this is a super important detail. This be information that is hidden from the audience until Vin talks about it. But it's interesting to think about the fact that if it's for a movie, we'd be able to recognize it immediately. But because we're watching it from Ellen's perspective over text, um, we get a different like presentation of information based on that. I thought that was kind of a cool detail. Oh, yeah, that is a an interesting uh facet that a book has over a movie yeah. is yeah you can have that unfamiliarity not to go back to game of thrones but there is a very i haven't read the books but there's a very good example where um a mysterious character shows up and starts helping daenerys and he's going by this really interesting name and there's a really long time before you find out the reveal that he's actually a different character from king's landing who got exiled um and in the show that just had to be like yeah, it's it's that guy. It's you know him. He's here <laughs> Same now actor, because the audience you know what he looks knows. like. Exactly. I um, I've been thinking about that for the Cosmere, for the the like the characters who show up on different planets and in different stories and whatnot. Like the second that the casting announcement is revealed, you know something's up. Mm-hmm. So I I think it'll be very interesting to see what they do with that. Man, 
<laughs> Vin, Vin says she was like a child in a room full of bugs. Uh, I was reminded very distinctly of uh, Fallout 4. Um, the first time I played through it, uh, I did not want to go into the Corvega assembly plant. Um, I believe there's a whole subreddit dedicated to how much the Corvega assembly plant sucks. <laughs> so I avoided it. Um, and I came back 20 levels after I was supposed to, and I ended up slaughtering everyone, and I legitimately felt bad. <laughs> Even though they were nominally enemies, you know? You're like, this isn't this isn't even challenging. This is yeah. just, I just point and they die. These are human lives. <laughs> Real people. Real voice actors. Most of them the same guy. And you killed them. It's, you know, if the voice actor dies in the video game, they die in real life. Die in real life, exactly. Did you know that in Fallout 4, some of the uh, voice cast got their lines in alphabetical order in the script? That's such oh, a God. terrible and not... way yeah. to record your voice <laughs> acting. Yeah. Uh, the Also, the, um, the VA who played, what was his name, Kellogg? Mm-hmm. Um, did not know his character's name or what game it was until the game was released. Wow. Cool. Good for acting. Yeah. Acting famously good with no context and preparation. Yeah. Spoiler, it's so that they don't know how important they are in the game so they can't negotiate for better pay. Oh. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> oh, Todd. It's actually not uncommon in the game industry, which super sucks. Yeah. In any case, yeah, um, Vin is is trying to deal with what she did and what she's been doing. You know, she she says that it seems like the the thing that she's good for is killing people, and Ellen is is trying to offer what comfort he has, and realizes at one point that there's not really a lot that he can say given his experience is so different from hers uh, but what he does have for her is his trust and that's one thing that that uh, is perhaps unusual for Vin yeah I really expected Vin leaving town to just be a surprise and they're like she's gone so the fact that she mentions I think I might need to go and Ellen is just like all right okay like yeah a lot of points to Ellen there for just being like I trust you I feel like you got to do what you got to do. Like that was, that was that was pretty cash money of him. <laughs> mm. And they're finally talking. A little, they're a little too late. Talking. A little too late. You know what they're not talking about? When Ellen threw Vin under the bus and joined the church. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing, as we are wrapping up the section, uh, because. Or sir says you guys should cut it short. Um, is this was mentioned uh, at the end? I don't remember who mentioned it at the end of last episode. I did because I was shook. <laughs> okay, the the atium bead uh, that uh, that Zane gave Vin before they attacked uh, Set's army. Uh, she did not use it. Uh, and so threw it up. Is that allowed? You can just yeah. do that? <laughs> I mean, 
you can if you try hard. <laughs> if you really want to. And then we also get another detail that I didn't even piece together, which is Ellen says, I didn't even consider that she didn't have Adium. And I don't know if that means he hadn't really been thinking about that, about the attack specifically, or, you know, there's a lot of text to cover. I might have missed it. But is this the first time Ellen's finding out that she's completely out of Adium? I think she mentioned it to him way back near the beginning. I think it's just him having more context for the the attack the previous night mm-hmm. of she killed 300 people without even the most powerful element in at her disposal right okay yep but yeah that is th- there's been there's been progress made between Vin and Ellen and that is a relief to see yeah this scene is really bittersweet because they're finally talking and thank goodness but the conclusion that they basically come to is we're needed in different places and we can't really help each other and we just have to see how that shakes out yeah but that is where we will leave those two for a little bit because going to chapter 45 uh another leading up to it epigraph uh, where Quan mentions that he knows the things that he has memorized, which seems like a bit of a tautology, uh, and that he also knows what the other Worldbringers are saying. I didn't realize how much of a tautology that is on its own. It makes sense with this epigraph and the next it one. It does, like, yes. I understand why he's saying that, but that is, out of context, a really stupid sentence of, I know what I have memorized. I know the things I know. I know those. Right, that's mm. that's how memorization works. Thank that's you. high school, baby. <laughs> High school education. Knowing the things you have memorized. Exactly. Speaking of school education, look at that segue. We are back to uh, the Terrace Scholar duo. We have uh, Sazed and Tindwell uh, going through it again. And they have, they've been at this for quite a while. Sazed is, like even with Farakemi helping him, is nearly falling asleep in the middle of this. Uh, so they've been dedicating quite a bit of work to this. Yeah, Seiza actually says that uh, best he can tell, Tindwell has been awake for a week straight. I Even with magic, that's gotta suck. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, rough. <laughs> that's so much time to just be aware of things. I'll work for like eight hours and be like, all right, roommates, I'm going to go up to my room and not exist now. <laughs> <laughs> they nod and say godspeed it's not even about sleeping it's just like i need to not be thinking about anything complex <laughs> she needed the pomodoro method yeah <laughs> god bless the pomodoro method i wonder if that would help them at all <laughs> well probably it's a good productivity we are now sponsored by the no not really <laughs> but uh for those who don't know uh, it's work on something actively for 25 minutes, then five minute break, and then repeat that four times, and then take a 15 minute break, and then repeat the whole thing. And uh, it makes you more productive. It makes you more focused on what you're doing instead mm-hmm. of almost nodding off, like like says it's doing. I've yanked us back on track. It would nice. be incredible if um, uh, like Tindwell was like starting to lose energy. And Sazed goes, ah, it's because you haven't 
read this one scholar who tells you exactly how to stay productive at all times. And he has to like pull out a <laughs> copper mind and write yeah. down the instructions for the Pomodoro method. It feels very possible, honestly, that <laughs> someone has written a treatise on study methods and that the terrorists have collected it somehow. Oh, I'd like to imagine that one of the keepers is an expert on entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone is annoyed with that one keeper because he's always like, do you want to try this? Do you want to try this? And like, no, come, we know you're being sponsored, dude. Come on. We, we just want to get on with our day. I just read this text by this ancient scholar, Mr. Doro, Mr. Pomo Doro. <laughs> There's a, a Mr. Show sketch that's uh, about uh, one of Jesus's prophets that nobody wrote about because he was so annoying that he's constantly, <laughs> constantly like, Jesus, what if I told you that you could have all the power in the <laughs> world and all you had to do? <laughs> I'm just like, ugh, Doug. I mean, we we know um, about what's his name, um, the the Sumerian guy with the shitty copper. We know that there were <laughs> were dodgy salesmen back in the day. It's, it's true. Oh my God, the first oh. written thing. Uh -huh. what, what is his name? Uh, Ian Nasir. That's it. That that's yep. the bitch. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> you gave me shitty copper. I wanted good copper. <laughs> this is a strictly anti-Ian Nasir podcast. You know what they could use that copper for if it was good copper is alamancy. Cop copper Ooh. mind. Yeah. yeah or or ferrucamy. Yeah. Or ferrucamy, yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Do ferrochemical metals need to be specific alloys? I would assume so. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can't anyway. even store information on this copper. <laughs> It, it, gets all, it gets all warbly. The signal to noise ratio is all over the place. This won't, this won't do. Actually, we do have actual in-text confirmation that they're the same alloys uh, because... Um, right, Vin tries to it, burn one. Vin tries to burn someone and says it's metal. And he doesn't you know, think at all about, is this safe for you to burn? He just hands it to her. But yeah, so they are back deep in their scholarship. Uh, they're going through a lot of the... Uh, historical texts about the hero of ages uh, and seeing what people said in what prophecies and what seemed to to match up with what yeah and tindwell goes in on says it on how religion is bogus a little bit <laughs> about a how religion is bogus and b how it's it's becoming obvious to her that says thinks that vin is the hero of ages which is a pretty big claim. Yeah. She's not from Clenium. Or, no, she's, well, she's not from Clenium. So there you go. Can't be the Hero of Ages. Automatic disqualification. She's also not Terris, which does yeah. apparently qualify her. We get mention of the biography of Helentian. Helentian. And I am. I'm curious if this is pre or post ascension. It's a lot of talk about the prophecy, so I'm assuming pre ascension. I believe it is. Um, which also kind of wild that we have access to pre ascension texts. I don't think this is the first time this has happened, but like still, it's that that's that's a piece of history right there. And I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. But yeah, there is uh, there's there's some tension here between 
both Sazed's uh, religious uh, leanings and his thoughts on the prophecy uh, and what Tindwell thinks from her perspective. Uh, but this is something that they've been working on for quite a while. Uh, and Sazed, who has a pretty good read on the situation in the city, says that I think we need to be done very soon, perhaps tonight, because things are going to happen and we may be needed. Uh, they do encounter uh, a bit of an oddity uh, in that there is a uh, some of the, the writings, uh, in particular this is Sazed's transcription of uh, the of Quan's writings, uh, there's a corner missing. It's torn off and the uh, the missing piece is nowhere to be found. It's probably bad. <laughs> well, what's strange is I don't know what this does because Sazed knows what's missing instantly. He's memorized it. Um, and I don't know why the passage is even important to remove. I guess it's the thesis of the whole... Uh, banging into the metal thing uh, inscription <laughs> this is weird though this is very strange it's not just that there's a chunk missing it's the exact same chunk on multiple pages yes and yeah. in a bizarrely specific detail the like it mentions like the exact like size of the hole like the, the shape of the tears is exactly the same on multiple pieces of paper um which is yeah it's i think it's the million dollar question of why <laughs> remove this sentence especially if they have it memorized and who could have done it because they're both like we were in here the whole time and yeah this is a very puzzling scene and i don't have a lot of <laughs> theories so far but like yeah what the fuck's going on they are equally puzzled by this. They point out, how would you know this much about a work and yet so little about the fact that we just have this whole thing memorized? Right. But it uh, it reminds me of the Bye Bye Man because there's a scene in that movie. Uh, the whole point of the Bye Bye Man is like, if you know about it, then he hunts you down and like kills you or whatever. Um, so uh, there's a scene in it where this guy this guy goes to like an archive and pulls out all the references to the bye bye man and like scribbles them out with sharpie and somebody rightfully goes hey what the hell are you doing causes you can't, can't just do that causes more <laughs> attention to it than if he just let it lie in these dusty tomes don't say it don't think it it's 2023 and we're talking about the bye bye man the bye bye man <laughs> Oh, one of my friends insists, and I don't remember because I fell asleep because that movie sucks. Uh, one of my <laughs> friends, one of my friends insists that the Bye Bye Man says bye bye before he kills you at the last thing, and he refuses to. I refuse to watch it again, and he refuses to show me evidence, and I can't find it online. So, my favorite part of the movie is when Bye Bye Man says bye bye, and then he bye byes all over those guys. Oh, oh. my god, it's the best scene. <laughs> dude how about we hard pivot from that to <laughs> some some character relationship drama here mm. i love that sometimes there's an attempt at a fun little segue and then sometimes mm -hmm. justin's like nah nah we're back to the book now <laughs> we're done with this now <laughs> yeah we're, we're going back to the book uh because vin arrives 
um, is as usual barefoot and just kind of prowling around uh, and says that she wants to talk with Sazed for a minute. Uh, mm. And the the question that she has is, how do you know if you're in love? Which is probably not the question that Sazed was expecting. Uh, <laughs> and, and he says, I don't know if I am the one to answer that for you. <laughs> Jason Bateman is. That, I do what? not think that would go well. I don't know well. where you're going with that. <laughs> uh, there's a, a VHS called How Can I Tell If I'm Really in Love, hosted by Jason Bateman, Justine Bateman, and Ted Danson. <laughs> and in this section, <laughs> says it is Ted Danson. <laughs> we are really hitting the uh, obscure media here today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Damn what do you straight. Mean you didn't come to this podcast for Bye Bye Man references. <laughs> and 1980s D- or, uh, VHSs. But yeah, the uh, the question at hand is Vin is trying to figure out what she feels about Ellen. And says it, although he insists, does not uh, is not the person to, to talk about this. In a very, like, parental way. Vin says, but you know everything, so you should know this, right? And he offers some advice, and it seems like it's good advice for her. Yeah, It is good advice, and it is very funny that says it's like, I don't, I don't really know much about that. And Vin says, yes, you do. You know something about everything. He's like, no, I don't. And then proceeds to, in fact, give very good advice because he does know everything. Yeah. He says that Ellen flinching when when Vin fucking murked the guy is a natural reaction to somebody's head exploding from a headbutt. I I think he may be right there. I think he's got a point. You know, respect Ellen's desire to love you. Mm -hmm. That's something that has been Vin accepting help, accepting support from others. Um has has been something that she's had difficulty with. And then she brings up Zane. <laughs> and then she brings up Zane. I love that as soon as she says, is there someone else? Says it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> he doesn't even know who Zane is, but he has the correct <laughs> reaction. And the, there's another weird little line where Sazen says, this other mystery man, do you love him? And Vin said, he's strong. He makes me think of Kelsier. Why do we God. keep doing this? Why do you keep comparing him to Kelsier? I have I've just written God in all caps after that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's be done with this soon. It could so easily be reframed as like Kelsier would approve. Cause he's mm. your your other Which is, substitute wait. dad. And that's a way more interesting conversation to have. I like that yes. line of thinking way more. <laughs> god so uh to quote my notes i wrote uh quote no not zane new new line no 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 new line no bold underlined new line fuck all of this (laughs) this is how i feel in this scene fucking he he tried to he tried to kill you multiple times. He's an assassin and a spy for your worst enemy. He told you directly that he is insane, and extremely recently, you had to beg him not to kill Set. Like, and you think you love him, girl? He's super hot. 
You know what? He's very misunderstood. Skipping ahead in the section we read today, thank fuck he's dead. Oh, thank God. (laughs) We'll get to that, but thank fuck. It bears repeating, yeah. (laughs) So as Vin uh, departs via the window as she came in, um, turns out Tindwell was eavesdropping because of course she was. Of course Uh, she was. I love Tindwell. (laughs) I also am amused by, um, although Sazed proclaims not to have any experience in the the manners of, of love, Tindwell is very upfront of, I have raised 15 daughters. I understand teenage girls. <laughs> but before they are able to uh, get back to their studies, we get the other half of this romantic comedy scene <laughs> as yeah. Ellen, Ellen <laughs> arrives and asks for romantic advice. Brandon, this is really kind of a stretch. But okay. Before we move on too far, I also just love Tindwell's line, Vin has a weak spot regarding terrorist people, which is majority true. But once this movie slash TV show comes out, I just really want that line. Immediate cut to Vin stabbing Lord Ruler in the chest and watching him <laughs> die with pleasure. Uh, you're not wrong. I remember... Yeah, no, uh, Brandon does say in, in the annotations uh, that he did not want this to be too much like a sitcom. We've earned a little bit of sitcom energy, though. <laughs> Instead, it's like a 1980s VHS starring Ted Danson. <laughs> it actually a does say in the annotations, I did want it to be exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, now we have the other half of this conversation as uh, Ellen is trying to figure out what the hell his side of the relationship is like. And uh, Sazed speaks his piece. It's uh, it's not the same, like, they needed to hear different things from him, but it is kind of the, the same general gist. Uh, fortunately, at this point, there is no mysterious other involved. And and Sazed says, you might just need to give her a couple of days, which may be in short supply right now, which is not great. Yeah, they're running out of couples of days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I spent all of them trying to be reelected in a ploy that did not work. Training to Dark Souls doll... Da- 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 da. I'm not trying it again. Keep it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's the take you get. I don't That's like it. it. <laughs> I do it for you, listener. <laughs> All right. Uh, so as uh, Sazed and Tindwell return to their studies, Sazed makes a decision that we will see pay off uh, in the near future of this section that uh, he he's pretty much made up his mind that it's very likely that Luthadel will fall and that both Vin and Elland are too critical for them to be casualties of that. And we will see what the consequences of that is. Skipping back just a tiny bit, mm-hmm. when Elland is done speaking to Sazed, he's like, thanks, I'm going to go. Tindwell, you can come back in now because she has still been eavesdropping outside. And I love that tiny moment so much because one, it is yet another sign of Ellen's kingliness of him just mm-hmm. continuing to like issue orders like this. 
too. It is the exact move that Tindwell pulled on him when they first met of being like, <laughs> Vin is outside. Uh, nope, uh, she's not. I just guessed. Okay, what? Well, we're just going to move on from that. And <laughs> three, it's just funny. I love it. Yeah. It is, it is a wonderful moment. Um, uh, I didn't... I didn't super, it didn't super sink in when Clubs was like, yep, this is it. This is going to be the one. It was at this point um, during this conversation that I did write in my notes, sigh, is Seizet about to die? Um, (laughs) Because he sure is putting up the flags. Um, And that, yeah. I mean, we will talk about that later, but there is a, it feels like there's a very large battle imminent and not everyone may make it out. Yeah. Uh, we also... It's wild that most of this chapter has been, say, said, going like, I think she might be the Hero of Ages, and this information is not revealed until the end of the chapter. But I do... I, I did have a prediction that the uh, um, the pronouns of the prophecy would be non-specific, and thus that's what would allow Vin to perhaps be the Hero of Ages after all. And we do get confirmation of that at the end of the chapter. That we do. Going on to chapter 46. This is possibly the shortest epigraph of the book. Uh, of the the things that, that Quan has memorized and the things that the uh, the other people are now saying, the two are not the same. Yep, I had to flip back to the previous chapter to remember what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Caleb, is Alendi tall or isn't he? We don't know, because... <laughs> First off, I'm curious why this is being brought up now. In fact, I'm actually stressed that you're bringing it up now. But <laughs> we have the actual epigraph saying his stature is what struck me because he towered over everyone else. And then we get Sezed's take on the exact same passage, which is changed to say, I've got it on page 351. Alendi's height struck me the first time I saw him. Here was a man who was small of stature, but who seemed to tower over others. A man who demanded respect. So I think Alendi's short. Interesting. Interesting. Why is that? Why Why now, Justin? Why are you saying that now? <laughs> I am deeply sorry. We will have to continue. <laughs> oh my god! I <laughs> got it! I might because need the like two a full, are not the same, Caleb. I might need like a full ten minutes uh, before we get to theory time, where I'm just like going over my notes again. <laughs> All uh, right. I swear to God, Justin and Beth, I swear, if the reason you've been pushing Alendi so tall as a joke is because you know that's actually a really important detail that's different, I'm gonna flip my table. <laughs> I will not commit one way or the other. But at least the first time that you that we repeatedly brought it up because it was one of the only things we knew, I was just enjoying the joke of, yeah, we don't know anything about this guy, but he sure is tall. <laughs> They're going to find him and he's going to be a green felt frog. One, <laughs> <laughs> he's still alive. Two, he's been transmogrified into a frog. He's Kermit. I, I'm just picturing like, um, oh, the Muppets do this all the time where there's like, Oh, a big scary guy, and then it turns out to be like Kermit or something. <laughs> Who is, Hello. of course, Muppet-sized because he's a Muppet. That's right. We've already cast Zane as Spotted Dick, so. 
we did Muppet actually. adaptation of of the Mistborn series. Who's the one human? And I was why about is to say Sazed? who. Yeah, no, it's definitely Sazed. <laughs> yeah. And weirdly, it's Michael Caine again. <laughs> All right, uh, going on to chapter forty-six itself, uh, we have uh, we have Breeze. I do like the intro line here of Breeze could smell intrigue from two streets away. He's just like, oh, there's scheming going on. I want in. That is a fantasy 101 line, though. Yeah, a little bit. I was going to go film noir. He could smell intrigue from two streets away here on these Luthadale city streets. It's a little cliche, but I will point out that cliches exist for a reason. Right. You know? Because people kept using them because they liked them. So he has been uh, delivered a note. uh, And it is, he's thinking about, you know, how the note says things like, you know, you don't need to tell anyone about this. We don't want to cause any alarm. And that it was extra, extra sealed. You know, somebody is trying to keep something very secret. And he's a little confused as to the fact that the somebody is Sazed, who is not the first person he would pick as being extra super secret. Along the way, we also get Breeze talking about how he used to be in the, like, is Breeze an actual noble? I know he's not like a big noble. Okay, so what the fuck is Dox's whole deal with Breeze? If they already had a friend's noble on the crew, why is it that Elend is now the kicker of, like, Wait, there can be good nobles? Uh, Docs never knew. They didn't know. Nobody did. Yeah. Kept it a secret. Wind, but we found out his name was Ladrian. Did they not do any cross-referencing that that was a noble name? I, I'm guessing they assume that it's like a, a like a deep cover, like he's just an alias he's been using forever type thing. But then why is he embarrassed by the name? I don't know. <laughs> Brandon. Brandon. But yeah, Breeze has been keeping his his actual background as secret as he can. So uh, personally for me, the most relatable passages in this entire section uh, is when Breeze stands up and almost blacks out because that's just a thing that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to point that out too. It was like a malady that had plagued him from youth. I was like, girl, you needed a reason? Oh no. <laughs> Great, now I can't see. <laughs> Caleb is referencing this time that I passed out in a museum food court, which happened a lot as a youth. I'm better now. But it was the first time, and I was complaining to my mother about how I was overheated in my little sweater. And she was like, well, we'll we'll take off a layer once we go sit down. Uh, And then my vision went completely black, and I just went, great, now I can't see. And mom went, what? And by the time she turned around, I was halfway to the ground. I remember that day. Fun times. <laughs> I was fine. And I held on to my pizza all the way down, so it mm-hmm. was also fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Breeze uh, continues on his way to this very mysterious secret meeting. And uh, the ones present, uh, we have Sazed and Breeze. And then we are joined by Clubs and Ham. Uh, and as uh, as Breeze catches on right away, this is everybody of the main crew except for Ellen Denvin. And also Spook, but that's a, a side factor. 
<laughs> yeah. We also get a really fun detail of Breeze walks in and is like, hey, those guards really make it feel like it's, you know, some there's something sketchy going on because of those guards outside. But like gives like a very um, elegant reasoning for why the guards probably shouldn't be there. And then Clubs walks in and goes, lose those guards. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm half convinced because Breeze's recommendation is get rid of the guards because they're they stand out too much. Uh make the room actually like light and cheery and that we're not skulking around. Uh get us something to eat so we can just be, you know, having a lunch. I think Breeze just wants a meal out of this. <laughs> <laughs> we we've gotta open up a bottle of wine, you know, just to sell the illusion that it's a normal yes. time we're having. Of course. Uh, but yes, this is... And when, when Docs arrives, uh, this is... This is a meeting of the the crew minus Ellen and Vin. Uh, because what we, what we find out is that Sazed wants to make sure that they do not die in whatever is upcoming. There's some real Doc's ham snippiness here that I did not care for. Yeah. Yeah. The, the tensions are a bit high, and these two are are kind of going at it. Yeah, I I didn't love this. <laughs> Doc's being saucy is is not. I mean, we haven't seen that side of Doc's at, at least since like early Mistborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean when when docs first meets ellen he's like what, what the hell is this guy doing here get him out of my face but aside from that like i've always seen docs as being like the responsible the one the one on top of everything the one who's going to keep everyone else in line and make sure that they stay on task and to see him be really catty is it, it yeah it just felt a little weird yeah uh one thing that breeze says is they may be able to keep up appearances but everyone here knows what it feels like is coming next and when they are when they're not in the public eye they're going to be pretty on edge and in two chapters it won't matter but we do get a very important detail here that breeze soothes docs and it works that's true Mm. Uh, he does it very heavy-handedly as is appropriate for the moment uh, but it does. It, he he wants Docs and Ham to just drop it. So he soothes them both. They both visibly react. So yeah, I, that is a, a piece of final confirmation there. But the the situation as, as they see it uh, is that what's probably going to happen is that Straff is going to withdraw. The Coloss are going to come in. They're going to slaughter everyone in their way. We can try to fight, but we're almost certainly going to die. And then Straff comes back and just cleans up the mess. Looks like a savior while doing it. A liberator. Not Mm -hmm. not good. So the options that they have, they could willingly cede the city to Straff to see if he can then, you know, keep the people safe. Uh, They could cede the city to Jastes and hope that he can make sure that the Coloss don't actually destroy the city then. Or they can fight and die. <laughs> fight and die. 
fight and die. It's not a great slogan as slogans go. <laughs> but but with plan A, it's if we let Strap take over, we will be executed. If we let Jesse's take over, decent chance will be executed. There's it's pretty much blank and die, no matter which of the three options you choose. <laughs> we also have in what I feel like would be ADR dialogue when Brandon inevitably forgets again while writing the scripts. Um Clubs is like, I won't leave my men. And then Ham says, nor I. And then the camera cuts away while we hear Ham's voiceover. But I did send my family to ground yesterday. They'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Oops. I'm looking through the, the annotations on this scene. And uh, Brandon is definitely having fun writing these. He, he says, you know, they, they figure out uh, once they have a plan, then that's actually something they can work together on. Uh, he says, sending Vin and Ellen away is pretty daring of them. I think it makes sense, though. How much good can one person, even a Mistborn, do against an entire army? That's a good question, Brandon. We'd love to know. We've also <laughs> been told. We've seen it three chapters ago. She can kill 300 men in 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Because that is uh, the plan. And, and, and Breeze figures it out. He says... If, if we're going to send some people away, it's going to be the two that you didn't invite. And and that's what uh, what Sazed needs help with is figuring out how to uh, how to get them out of the city and make sure that they don't fall in whatever's about to happen. And then Sazed mm -hmm. proceeds to go, you know, it would be even better sending the four people we didn't invite. Yeah. We can also send Last of Horns and Tindwell. <laughs> Can I can I read what I wrote in my notes? Go for it. Summary summary of Sazed's uh, uh, argument here. Uh, Sazed called the meeting to brainstorm how to tell Villain Ellen to fuck off and let us kill ourselves. Yeah, that's pretty much what's gonna happen. Yeah. Soothe me, Breeze. I don't know why these sorts of passages keep hitting me, but it's the the end of this little section of. The disaster was still coming, but somehow the possibility that some would escape, the youngest crew members, the ones still inexperienced enough to hope, made everything a little easier to accept. It had similar energy to me as that one line about Sazed and Tindwell's scholarship. They were keepers, they were used to starting things that others would end. Mm -hmm. It's just this, this constant theme of we are sowing the seeds for the future and... It may die in the process, but it's okay because of, of the hope that it brings. Just, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, Sazed has a, a particularly long view on the, the world, yeah. which is something that one would think most keepers have is, you know, you do the part that you have, but there are things that are vastly bigger than you that you just need to accept that, all you can do is your part of, and then either see what happens or not, because it's going to be long past you. Uh, Beth, I know another reason why this scene is probably emotionally impactful for you as it is for me. It's because uh, this scene is pretty much that one Riley scene from National Treasure 2, except everyone <laughs> in the room is Riley. <laughs> uh, for those who aren't sure exactly what I'm talking about, I'm referring to the scene in National Treasure 2 where the crew is left on a death trap and they realize <laughs> one person has to be left behind. And without hesitation, the comic relief character Riley goes, I'll do it. I'll stay behind. And then proceeds to be like, 
no, don't worry, Riley, we'll come back to you. No, no, I'm kidding. Go. And he's just totally <laughs> fine with that. That's that's just chill. He will sacrifice himself for his two friends. And then... So is everyone else. They go. <laughs> they just... Nick Cage and, and uh, Abigail turn to each other on the go. All right, see ya. <laughs> yep. <laughs> is that anything like the Toy Story, what, 3 scene? Where they accept death? It would be like if... if, if like Mr. Potato Head like threw himself into the incinerator to make sure everyone else could escape and, but like and everyone else just goes well he was a good potato but Thanks. <laughs> what's done is done um, and to draw one more comparison but keeping it within Sanderson um, this is also fascinating seeing basically a new iteration of Kelsier's plan of here's a bunch of people knowing they're going to die and being like, yeah, it kind of has to be this way. We kind of have to be here. But if it's going to help everyone else fight even harder, then Mm -hmm. it's going to be worth it. Um, And finally getting to see the point of view of a plan like this being put together is um, fascinating for the bittersweetness of it all. Yeah, the last time around, that was the key element of I'm going to die and I need to make it inspiring and meaningful and and put out something for the future was the bit that was hidden from us for far too long. So now we do get to see the plan beforehand. So we will leave that meeting uh, and head to Vin, who has gone to do a bit of a think. And unlike Ellen, who was comfortable just wandering the halls of Keep Venture, uh, she has very like world significant matters on her hands and so is going to go to some place that is imposing and spooky and world meaningful so she is back at Critic Shaw this is this is one of those I realize now what I must do scenes and I I really hate those <laughs> just as a as a trope the whole like oh going back to, to this old place and uh, she she leaned down this isn't a line but just a, an impression mm-hmm. she, she reached down and and rubbed the dust between her fingertips on the the chair where she had once sat as a young child i know now what i must do and then she leaves the room it's a what like three page long scene like about yeah how about that i don't know <laughs> I don't know. Bad news about the Cayman hideout from a couple scenes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, that had like an Ellen Vin relationship thing. This is just like Vin goes and and is there for 10 minutes and then leaves. I am also, I will say, I am also both curious and stressed um, about why this scene is actually here. Um, because it could be, it could just be, I know what I have to do. And Brandon was like, it'd be cool to bring credit Shaw back for a second. But I'm, I'm so stressed that there's a very specific reason we came back to credit Shaw for a hot sec. And we just don't know what it is yet. Um, we see, I mean, if we want to get into the deets of the scene, we get, we see footsteps. And I feel like that is a reminder that there is an, a, a little inky boy running about. There's an inquisitor around Credit Shaw. Um, and I'm, <laughs> a little inky boy. A little, in, a little yeah, inky we, boy. Yeah, we can't I let mean, that one go by, be, Caleb. 
It's gotta be Marsh, so I'm not that stressed about it. But, like, yes, we know there's an Inquisitor around. Um, and, uh, but we don't, we don't meet the Inquisitor, so the, the purpose of this scene isn't that. Um, I, I have had theories about the importance of Credit Shaw as a structure, but we are told multiple times in this book, including in this chapter, that everything's been torn up. Everyone's been looking for the Adium. This place has been thoroughly searched. It's not like there's some secret thing that Vin just barely missed in the weird terrace shack. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very curious if this scene will actually end up being super important and we just don't know why yet. Oh, that possibility is real and terrifying. Right? <laughs> that there's something, because this is like a very high stakes place for oh, something yeah. to be revealed. Yeah, this is, this is peak, like, tense, spooky atmosphere. And Vin goes here and looks around and does some thinking and then just leaves. We also do get a line when she's thinking back to overthrowing the Lord Ruler. And she says, looking back, it seemed too perfectly allegorical. Like a neat little tale told to children intended to teach a lesson. Sick burn on whatever nerd wrote the final empire. <laughs> yeah, whoever that was. But yeah, we will we'll have to see if this was just a, an interesting place to set a scene or if we will be returning to Critic Shaw again before the story ends. It's frustrating because I'm going to be angry either way. I'm kind of, I, I don't hate the <laughs> I know what I have to do now scene on its own, but Critic Shaw is just so important and so out of the way that I'm going to be a little upset if this scene was literally just for Finn to have a think. And I'm also going to be upset if there was some key detail in here that I missed. <laughs> <laughs> well, well let's move on to a much less frustrating yeah. scene speaking Zay! of being frustrated with the book what the fuck is happening in this scene <laughs> yeah uh, this is a short Zane POV before we close the chapter uh, he wakes up mid assassination attempt on him uh, I do actually like the, the detail of uh, the fact that Contrary to the uh, the prevailing wisdom, Zane specifically does uh, sleep with metals in him. Uh, and he mm -hmm. says he knows it's going to kill him someday, but dying someday is better than dying now because you didn't have metal. Uh, fun detail, the habit does not kill him. No, it doesn't. No, that's <laughs> not what kills him. Something kills him. Someone kills mm. him. Yeah. We're almost there. But not Straff Assassins. Yeah, so yeah, there's this weird thing of his... So, it ended up being not as bad as I thought, because it does clarify, oh, he paid a guy to hammer a tent pole really loudly mm -hmm. if anyone tries to mess with his tent. That makes sense. But given the weirdness of all the Straff poisoning scenes, I just assumed that I was not going to get information like that. And so I was like the assassins are just being really loud as they try to take his tent down and that's their like grand plan to assassinate him and just because of how the zane scenes have gone so far i was i i i was frustrated but i was like yeah i guess that's what's happening i just fully accepted that that's what the tent uh spike is <laughs> yeah no these uh these these people are not uh there's there's so much going on so zane is going to uh actually take some action at this point uh i do there's there's little bits of characterization in here that are interesting uh where zane points out that straff 
likes to uh, associate himself with dangerous but powerful things, and that sometimes that goes wrong. <laughs> yes, indeed. Sometimes it does. Oh, man. And Straff is just like, well, that didn't work. I might die. I'll, like, he pulls out a couple of offers of, like, here are reasons not to kill me, but, like, he did not surround himself with extra bodyguards during the assassination attempt. Um, he, Zane just walks to the tent and Straff's like, all right, yeah, my bad. Yeah, I lost. <laughs> Sorry. And then, and then Zane just goes, today's the day you're going to win. The city's going to be yours. I'm leaving. Uh, Vin is coming with me. And I know you tried to kill me, but I'm not going to kill you. So what the hell's going on? <laughs> and Zane advocates for the same plan that uh, now everybody on the crew accepts is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feign departure and then come back. So Zane is preparing himself for what will probably be his last part in this. He goes and gets his mist cloak, which he does not wear often, but it seems important for the night. Uh, he gets some metal, uh, gets dressed, and then talks about the giant spike in his chest that we haven't known about this whole time. He's a little inky boy too, I guess. <laughs> is this a spike or is this like a birth defect? It is a, a, a large bump that is a point of a spike that stuck out of his back just between his shoulder blades. Mm -hmm. The head of the spike against his sternum. So, so we are reaching the point, This I will go more detail into this later, but I'm glad Zane's dead. I don't like Zane. There's so much happening with Zane that the fact that he's dead is wild. Right? Because there's shit like this. It's like, what do you mean he's dead? I need to know what the fuck that is. Right. Like, we just... Like, now we have things that are... He's not just this, like, weirdo sad boy. And now he's gone. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Okay, then. We'll... We will... We'll get back to Zane... Uh, one more time very shortly but uh very briefly we are going to go to chapter 47 we see that elendi believes as they do presumably being the the public the publicly known version of the prophecy uh, but we will we'll we'll need a little bit more yeah i assume that's specifically harkening back to what the world bringers say which mm -hmm. yes i would assume is the publicly available one yeah so Vin is is deciding what she needs to do. She can feel the mist spirit watching her and she feels a a distant powerful sound that she now has decided must actually be the well of ascension and that's where she needs to go. My shortest putt prediction yet because I read the chapter or I read uh, the well of ascension that sentence and then I wrote is this the first time she's drawn the connection? And then I read the next sentence. That, that was what it had to be. Vin had made a connection. <laughs> that is a that is a pretty pretty close connection there. <laughs> but that's one one thousandth of a podcast point for me. 
<laughs> so I I also really appreciate that uh Orser asks what uh what Vin is thinking about and she says the end. Awkward silence. The end of what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't and, know. And, and then he says, this seems excessively dramatic to me. <laughs> I love that. I love it so much. I love Orosaurus. Orosaurus is such a fun character. I love that Orosaurus is here. I love Orosaurus. Mm. What a great guy Orosaurus is. Vin's also pondering stuff. And at one point she brings up how like she couldn't even protect people well. I understand her frustrations and I understand a lot of what she's going through. But she's damn good at protecting people. <laughs> yeah. It is perhaps too easy to focus on the failures and not... I mean, it's, you know, it's the eternal struggle of several industries where when things are working, uh, nobody notices anything. And then when it goes wrong, it goes very wrong. So she is preparing to, to do a thing. Uh, and then Zane arrives for the last time, finally, actually. <laughs> mm. I worry that uh, it's not finally. Oh, boy. He gets a knife jammed in his throat. It would be wild if this is the instant you guys keep talking about of like characters will always die. But there's one time where a character definitely should die and they somehow survive. And it's <laughs> Zane. <laughs> that would be a hell of a thing. No comment. <laughs> God damn it. And I was listening to the last episode that came out, and uh, when you said, who's left? You just, you're just so good at acting now. <laughs> you are, you have flipped sides. You are no longer a tech guy. You're an actor. <laughs> who's left? It's a good question. Or sore. Sure is. So... Zane is is making his plea essentially to Vin of come with me be a mistborn essentially and Vin is actually having a a, a second thought here because Ellen trusts her and that's actually the the exact moment uh when when she goes to just just get out a vial of metal to to go and zane jumps at it uh, and she realizes that ellen trusts me and he doesn't and that's finally the moment i love moments like that have you guys had moments like that where you where your your mind changes on something and you just barely you're not even aware of it except like after you realize that it's changed oh that was the piece i was missing because I've had moments like this. I hope not as as particularly impactful as this one here, but I, yeah. I do understand. <laughs> uh, the one that sticks out to me was right around my 26th birthday. And to our American audiences, uh, 26th birthday means you're kicked off your parents' insurance. Your manufacturer's warranty expires. Uh, yes. Yep. And uh, I, uh, I had a part-time job that didn't offer insurance. Uh, and, um, I was like, oh my God, I'm fucked. I need insurance. What am I going to do? I've heard everywhere that it costs a million dollars. And then all of a sudden I looked online and I was like, nope, not really. 
You just need to actually do the thing yourself. Just need to plan it, figure it out, calm down, and realize that he doesn't trust you. <laughs> Bada bing, uh, this is the sixth time that I've steered one of my anecdotes back to the book. <laughs> <laughs> I do have moments like that, but I I learn nothing from them because I have anxiety. I'll put off a task for months because I don't want to deal with it, and then it will be extremely easy and quick, and I've been dreading it way too much. Uh, and then I'll move on to procrastinating on the next one. <laughs> I I will. This is a very nice moment, but I will say it is wild that we spent like five straight minutes psychoanalyzing why Ellen flinched last episode and then here's Vin saying Alan would never flinch at something I do like this <laughs> yeah I mean th there's there's definitely some closeness there but I I will take anything that lets Vin see what the hell's going on here oh yeah I'm not complaining <laughs> let me clarify but then Zane tugs on her wrist. Zane knows the immobilized female character move. I, I got really worried that Vin wouldn't be able to move for the rest of the chapter. That, that uh, Honestly, this was another great moment of female writing for Brandon, because that is our one weak spot that he did identify perfectly, is a man grabbing our wrist. But because Vin is the hero of ages, that's the only reason she's able to escape and slip her hand free. Yeah, exactly. I, would... I could never... <laughs> How wild would it be if there's like a chapter later, Vin is reflecting on this moment, and it's like when she draws on the mist, she's like, I, he had my wrist, but I tucked it away, and then he wasn't <laughs> holding me anymore. Is that possible? It was within me all along. Unrelated to that, but related to about this point in the story, it was my first time reading it, it was somewhere around like this page turn from 583 to 584 that I figured out who the Chandra was. Oh, which is quicker than me. Exactly enough time to have a horrible realization and exactly zero time to do anything about it. Uh, because <laughs> as, as Vin has made her decision, uh, Zane takes this incredibly poorly and actually does start to attack her, uh, I, I hesitate to say for real, because he seems to have done that several times, but this this very much seems to be an attempt to kill her now. Uh, and Vin calls out to Orser with her kind of code phrase to uh, to get him to to get the ATM or whatnot or whatever was supposed to about to happen. Uh, and we learn that it is in fact. Uh, this has not been Orser. This is Tensoon. This is the the House Venture Chandra who has Ten been soon. the spy. And we're allowed ha. to say Tensoon. Tensoon! Tensoon! Oh my god, Justin and I were so worried the whole time we would let it slip. Because I was like, Chandra names are so specific of like, syllable, syllable, capital, capital, ba ba da ba. I was like, I'm... So easily, my dumb brain will slip, and it will say ten soon, and I will not be able to play that off. Ah, <sighs> yeah, I'm so relieved. Caleb and I would have latched onto that instantly. Yep. So exactly can confirm you did not slip up. <laughs> but yeah, we will we will give out some podcast points to Sam, 
uh, for uh, there was no prediction of who the spy was disguised as, but Sam did correctly guess that Tensoon was the Chandra in question doing the impersonation. Ha! And I think Caleb joined me on that too later on. Yeah, yeah so I think you're yeah. the first one. You're the first one to say it, but yeah, I was also assuming that would be the case. And then I kind of actually took some chips off of that when I had my wild um, Chandra's helping Jastie's guess last episode, but. Tensoon was the most likely suspect being the only other named Contra we know. Yeah, th- yeah. That, that is that is true. But, but yes. yeah, as as this has is happening, uh Tensoon is apologetic uh and explains how long it's been. Uh and you know, we were we were joking earlier about how, you know, how much we've come to love Orser as a character uh because we have in fact barely seen Orser at all. We saw him mm. for a couple of pages in Final Empire and about one scene at the beginning of Well of Ascension and after that he was dead. Mm. Technically speaking, he was in quite a bit of Final Empire. Fair. We just didn't know Th- this is fair. He was <laughs> playing Lord Renault the entire time. But right. as as a known Chandra, we saw the one scene in the warehouse and then like the the fight at the very beginning of Well of Ascension. And that's about it. Mm. It's kind of sad thinking that uh Orsor died still thinking that Vin was a shithead. He really did not have yeah. a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with that revelation to deal with, we are still in a precarious situation, uh made even more so now by the fact that the one other person in this scene that Vin thought that she had on her side uh, is not at least for a few moments um, <laughs> because Vin needs to survive this and this is in her mind the the worst that it's been even everything that she's been through she says she was going to die and had not felt that way in a very very long time. In the midst of this fight we do get a fun moment. I'll always be uh tickled whenever somebody is right for the wrong reasons um because zane starts bragging about knowing about duralamin and then he's like and obviously that's how you're detecting me through copper that's the only possible way it makes so much sense that you're using duralamin for that and that's not at all <laughs> how she's doing that yeah no that's actually true is uh because during this fight zane does have access to duralamin uh which is this is now the first time that vin has been up against that power uh but yeah that's a uh that's a swing and a miss from zane uh because at least from what we've seen you'd think that vin would mention it but no this is just a thing that that she can do i knew somebody was going to figure it out and i i guess zane would be the one to figure it out you know i mean he is ten soon is the one who figured it well, out yeah no <laughs> right yeah he he did get told uh, but of actually like being able to use it and take advantage of it, uh, this is the one person who would do that and is also kind of the worst case for the one who would do that. And oh boy, he stabs her in the chest. Yeah. Mm, there was uh, does. There was a prediction that there was yeah. going <laughs> to be a kiss. Yeah. And there is, and it's really fucked sometimes, up. Sometimes, everyone, I just... I accidentally manifest things into the world and I just <laughs> I I want to apologize when things like this happen. 
<sighs> we have a few pinned messages in just a nice spoiler chat discord channel and one of them is my reaction to your one kiss prediction which is fucked up but true yeah and it's also <sighs> brandon on the whole you're doing a pretty good job with your female protagonist i don't know if vin would be thinking that it's a strangely surreal moment when this happens i did not like that description yeah, when he's actively holding her down and then stabs her in the tit. I yeah. think that I think it's in reference to the kiss and then yes. the stab, yes. And then Tensoon goes, anything to interrupt this moment. <laughs> Thus cementing him as a favorite. Yeah, here we go. We get to talk about how great Tensoon is. Tensoon. Uh, another thing that I want to point out as we're going by here uh, we mentioned Vin drawing upon the mists. She tries to do it here and can't. And that, it, it just doesn't work. And yet the mist still pools. This is very interesting. Because to this point, we've just had like a tendril reaches in. That's it. Like the, the mist is filling the room. Yeah. Very, very strange elementic stuff going on. Uh, Tensoon does interrupt with a... a, a what seems like a strange non sequitur uh, of that, that Vin knows about the secret of the Chandra uh, and Vin, it, it takes her a second. I mean, given the circumstances uh, to realize what the hell he's talking about. Uh, but then she goes back to uh, the one time where we were saying, Vin, what the hell was that? Uh, using, the uh, the very last bit of some of her medals, she has a, a Duralumin-assisted uh, soothing and takes over his body. And this is very strange and very cool, I think. It's, yeah, it's, I, 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 yes. I don't dispute that. Because, yeah, Vin now is able to... to act as Tensoon uh, forces him to attack Zane and uh, and is able to to at least break free uh, from probably being about to die uh, it it barely lasts because that's the way the Drellman works uh, but it is enough to at least get the fight to resume uh, she also gets the the ATM that uh, that Tensoon was holding on to, uh, but that was also another uh, another trap that was set, uh, because it was just a a tiny shell of ATM over just a piece of lead. So Vin is now not in as bad of a situation as she was, where she was literally about to die, but still very much against the ropes. Now Zane is playing the long game and waiting for her to die of lead poisoning. You know what? This scene should have gone with <laughs> uh fuck it. Vin gritted her teeth and, and burned, burned the lead, lead with Duralumin. <laughs> with Duralumin. I have a fucking idea for you. <laughs> this will do something. <laughs> and then she dies of lead poisoning. Of Duralumin assisted lead poisoning. But uh, yeah, the, the fight has to progress. Zane still has ATM and Vin now does not. And there's a... 
she tries the the one thing that she can figure out to try to get out of this uh which is to somehow try to almost double bluff herself uh because as she starts to attack zane reacts to her her atm shadow and then vin keys off that reaction changes her move and and stabs him this is cool i think it's been brought up once before and it might have been during the shan Ilarial fight um, but i believe i brought up the taskmaster cannot defeat deadpool principle um hmm. which is something i love where taskmaster is able to is a, he's a marvel character who's able to analyze people's moves and decipher their strategies and imitate and also defend against everything they can do but deadpool doesn't have a plan and so he's just completely immune to taskmaster's powers and thus they have a great rivalry because taskmaster has no idea what the fuck deadpool's doing because deadpool has no idea what the fuck he's doing um <laughs> so i i am always i always think it's cool whenever that's a legitimate thing of some opponent can in a way see the future so the um uh good guys have to not plan in order to be as spontaneous as possible and counteract the power Works well in one-on-one fights. Um, doesn't work well when it's the uh, entire plot of your movie, uh, such as the case with Fantastic Beats 3, a very bad movie. <laughs> mm. Yeah, this was an interesting one. Uh, Ham, I believe, talks a bit about uh, like fighting someone who has Adium when you don't. Mm-hmm. Way back when, when she is like, I was checking to see if you're a Chandra. That's my Vin voice. Uh... <laughs> uh but uh, but it's interesting because, you know, Ham was like, he's the martial expert. I think that nobody has survived a fight against an Atium person enough to... To even try <laughs> to... this? Exactly, to know that this is a thing you can do. Because she has to fend him off for a little bit, and then right. eventually realizes, like... I-, I think that if Zane weren't toying with her, then this might have gone a different way. Yeah, there, there's definitely a much more straightforward path that just ends up with Vin stabbed. To be more fair, Vin stabbed. did get stabbed. Vin did get stabbed. We're yes. stabbed. Uh, but fortunately for our heroine, Zane gets stabbed in the throat. And fortunately so for can't us. talk anymore. Through his fucking windpipe. <laughs> get dead, kid. And the very last thing before he get dead uh, is him trying to to tell vin uh why she was supposed to save him uh which is that that god didn't want him to kill her uh which god said of course not and then says you were never insane and then zane dies what do you mean he dies (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad he's dead but what the fuck's going on with zane (laughs) <laughs> that is a very good question yeah and now we we have to try to to unravel this uh we'll wrap up the chapter with uh vin doing her best to ensure that that he's actually dead and then has to uh, vin and ten soon now have to try to figure out what the hell happens next uh and Vin is is concerned for him because Zane 
nearly crushed him when they very briefly fought. Uh, and even after all that, and and the betrayal that just happened, uh, Vin is trying to help him here. It is also funny to me that the, uh, Tensoon is partially broken. Vin is constantly bleeding out. And I thought Brandon did a pretty good job of describing what was happening when Vin stabbed uh, Zane. But Vin does go through a full-on play-by-play of exactly what happened and how. It's like, you you guys really both need a nurse right now. Can we talk about this later? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah both of you. Please. Uh, but Vin tries to, to talk through what she realized uh, she did uh, with using her own ATM shadow as a clue of what was going to happen. Uh, and that is... That's... Uh, as she says, it it she might not be the first one to think of it, but it's not the thing that you share. Uh, and then, Sam, as you pointed out, it's also not the kind of thing that many people are ever in a place to even figure out. <laughs> hey, I know what I'll do. Uh... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and hand never meets paper. Tensoon needs a new body. Uh, Vin offers Zane's. This is not the first time that she's offered... A body that she just killed um <laughs> and uh ten soon says absolutely not please no <laughs> please no rereading this book obviously is a lot like there's so much good stuff knowing that ten soon is masquerading as orser like every time she was like well what did kelsier have you go say to the people and he was like you know stuff to survive if uh, that was uh, it was kind of vague like details like that fall into place and make a lot more sense but it's also very funny that orser brings up several times how much zane sucks yeah <laughs> it's true <laughs> it's true orser's the one <laughs> who's constantly to... like are, do you really want to listen to that guy are you sure about that he seems like yeah. an asshole man <laughs> he would know he spent too much time with the guy no one should have to go through that but unfortunately, this is, uh, by the contract, uh, Zane is dead, and Tensoon needs to return to uh, to the Chandra, uh, which means, especially given the fact that Vin now knows what an Alamancer can do to a Chandra, uh, that he has to leave. Given the amount that we talk about this character, it's probably not surprising that we will see more of him in this series, but... It would be wild if you guys were stressed so much about the Tensoon twist, and then we never see the name Tensoon written again. <laughs> the other thing that I... kind of slips my mind in this this whole sequence is that the way that I kind of remembered it before rereading this was that they actually, like, start leaving the city or start leaving a little bit. But this all happens in Keep Venture. Right. In her room. So as the, uh, as the, the chapter ends, uh, Vin is going to Elland, which is the one good thing that will, will happen as as we head out of this i mean also zane being dead but like <laughs> this is this is a step in the right direction literally she's stepping to him 
Hey. That was more you more than that deserved. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right, our final chapter of the uh, the segment, uh, and it is a much shorter one where we're literally just kind of trying to wrap up the things that just happened. Uh, oh, our epigraph first. Uh, Quan is is pondering on the fact that Alendi is at his heart a good man. Uh, and that the things that he has done have have been a sacrifice for him. But uh, we'll have to see more of what that leads into in our final two parts. I don't have the attention span to to, to draw great conclusions off the epigraphs anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm excited to see the final result. What do you mean, dear reader? I am getting right to the point in just a minute. I'll tell you exactly why it's so important. What a good man Elendi was. Just one second. Let me just think back in my memories that I have. I can remember the things that I'm remembering. It's like he's going in a circle. It's like a spirograph. Like he's going in a circle, but the circle is moving. I will say it would be rad if on, in the adaptation it is like spiraling text and says it finds that in the middle of the conventicle and has to make a rubbing of this like circle of text. But the only reason I'm thinking of that image is because Kwan is talking in circles. Yeah. Well, I just checked. We have 11 more chapters with 11 more epigraphs and we will see how much more there is to say. But uh, in the, the chapter proper, we return to Elland, uh, who is is trying to figure out you know, he, he's been writing a letter to Jastes to try to, to reason with him, uh, is, is heading off to bed. And this is like the third or fourth time in this series that Vin has dramatically shown up in horrific fashion. Uh, but this is, this is a good one here. Can we just... Uh, I didn't even write this in my notes. I didn't even pay heed to this originally. But can we just address how weird it is that that Ellen is trying to reason with the guy who he stabbed? <laughs> yeah, that did happen. Like this this seems like a hard sell. It may be a bit of a desperation ploy. Come on, Justice, see reason. Sorry about the wound. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Justice, see reason, Ellen wrote, wiping the blood from his dagger. <laughs> See reason, or the next one's going a little bit up north. <laughs> I'm giving you your own letter opener. Yeah, it's the same one I had. Don't worry about it. Just like I want you to have this special. It means so much to our relationship, so you can open the letter with it. Ignore the fact that I've given it to you, jammed into a dummy with with a picture of your face taped to it. And there's like specifically, like the dummy came bald, but you specifically put on just a few tufts of hair to emphasize the fact that the dummy is balding. We are not nice to this man. <laughs> Poor oh, Riff Raff. so much from Vin. It's very sweet. Speaking of, uh, Vin arrives in dramatic fashion, uh, bleeding, and uh, says that I killed him your brother, Zane, uh, which Ellen says, wait, what? Because he had no brother. idea. <laughs> brother! Father! <laughs> yeah, 
exactly how it went down to the detail. Uh, but uh, Ellen has the sensible response of, I'm going to go get Sazed to help you with your wounds. It is both sweet and funny that I believe in the chapter before, Vin's like, I should go see Sazed because he can patch me up. But no, I want to see Ellen instead. And then she sees Ellen and Ellen goes, all right, we're both going to Sazed so we can patch you up immediately. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Well, and they, they, they try to both go. Uh, and then Vin is like still bleeding out and just goes, I'm going to stay here. They do make it to Sazed's room. But yes, yeah. I do love that Vin is like, I need to sit. Yeah. Ugh. He noticed Vin blinked a few times and disappeared in his chambers. This is just his reaction now. Yep. Time yep. to do surgery again. Just another Thursday. Uh, but in her in her state as she's being uh, tended to by Sazed, uh, she explains some realizations that she had uh, about uh, trust and making people better. Uh, and then says, Sazed, can you marry us? <laughs> but she but she doesn't say just uh marry us. She says, which one is the shortest? I, I love this. <laughs> I love it so yeah. much. Do you know any wedding stories? And of course Sazed's like several hundred of them. Which one is the shortest? <laughs> Spaceballs reference. Yeah. The the short short version. The short short version. Do you? Do you? You're married. Good, you're married. <laughs> Kiss her. I was actually reminded of a separate one, um, which is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Yes! Uh, I was just going to say a, this. It's been a while since I've seen the whole movie, but I did go back and rewatch that scene after this chapter, and it's that's also just a very fun, what do you mean marry us now? Okay, fine. Yeah, we'll do it. Fine. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, as as Sazed explains, the uh, the Larsta people had a uh, a very simple ceremony, uh, where all that was required was for uh, the the two uh, to be wed to profess their love to each other in front of a priest, uh, which, as the closest thing to a religious official that this world seems to have, uh, Sazed is willing to provide that service, because the he he asks the two of them. Uh, it is slightly more uh, expanded upon than the the Spaceballs version, uh, but <laughs> that that is that's somewhat it. Is that uh, they express their love for each other, uh, and Sazed says that he is is willing to to witness it, and that they are married. No divorce. <laughs> that's what he yeah, says. Doesn't he tell them that divorce. after the marriage is done. <laughs> <laughs> He does. Be warned, the Lars to love oath is binding. Yeah. You know, no form of divorce in their culture. I like the idea that you can't mix and match. Like, he just pulled a wedding ceremony out of nowhere. It's like, okay, we're going to do this one. But there's no divorce in this one. Yeah. You can't just switch to another one. No, <laughs> you no, no. You're stuck with this kind of marriage. And I love how it says, uh, do you accept my witness of this event? Vin nodded. Ellen felt himself doing the same. <laughs> Ellen th- is very cute in this whole chapter he he also has his now see when this is first uh, yeah. brought up um, showing that for all of his kingliness when he gets really flustered because of romance stuff he's like I, 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 he's back to the, the 
the dumb little teenager from the beginning of the book. <laughs> uh, we also get another Sazed, I think, uh, where he says that the marriage is as valid as any witness the obligators could give you, I think. God damn it, he's not a teenager. God damn it. Sorry. Yeah, how old is he? <laughs> Sam? What? Oh, he's 22. Oh. Possibly 23. Yeah, actually, do we? I think probably 22. Yeah. And as uh, as we conclude the um the chapter and and the section, uh Cezid seizes upon an opportunity here uh because Ellen is is mentioning how he's not sure what he should be doing at this point. Uh, and Sazed makes his his offer here of uh, you should both then travel to the Well of Ascension uh, because now he and Vin both think that this is a a, a thing that should happen, uh, and that the the two of them should make that that journey together, perhaps with uh, another person or two to support them, and that's perhaps how it will work out. Says mm. it does what Ellen could not and lies through his teeth. He sure does. Yeah. yeah. Penrod, a subject king. It's it's actually it's really impressive how how well Says it is able to blend all of this together and in the head states that Ellen and Vin are in, they just buy it like every single aspect of it like well you know the, the colossus were made by the lord ruler so maybe if you do what you need to do they'll all be destroyed anyway like he just keeps going with it and they're all like yeah 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 you're right says it that's probably how it's gonna work it's all gonna go down exactly like you say Good yeah he's... i'm just go ahead i'm just checking to make sure that i read right because otherwise i'm gonna look like a fool uh <laughs> go ahead i'm listening i was just going to say yeah says it is going to uh provide them a map they're going to uh, re- they're going to begin their journey tomorrow morning, and uh, the 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 party will be uh, Vin and Ellen, uh, Tindwell, who was uh, can can lead them to the Terrace people and has some information for them. Uh, he suggests Lord Lestevorns as perhaps uh, one other to to help with the watch, and. Yeah, we we leave. I guess yeah, no, we are in Ellen's POV here. We leave Ellen's POV as the two of them retire for the night, uh, and says it is left with his thoughts of what is history going to say about the impact of this lie that I just told. Mm-hmm. Series of lies. Yeah, I just um, I just love uh going back just a page here. Uh, Ellen stood for a moment, lock and key. All right, we'll leave as soon as Vin is able. She should be able to ride tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, she'll be ready. That seems aggressive, <laughs> but just, what do I know? It would just be great go. if Vin turned to him and was like, "No, I won't. I've healed from things like this before. I definitely more times." Is like, "No, no, you'll be good tomorrow. You'll be good. Trust me. Trust me. You're gonna be all right." <laughs> Just get up on that horse. Come on. Now is not the time to... Yeah, come on. You're good. You're good. It is kind of a red flag because, like, within a couple of chapters ago, we've gotten the thing of, like, 
says it's giving you drugged stew so that you stay down and heal all the way um again like because of their the their head states right now it makes sense why ellen and vin would buy it but that like on its own him saying yeah you can leave tomorrow is very not how says usually handles this I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't thought about like how against character that is but it really is yeah and thankfully you can tell it kills him in the last four paragraphs of this uh this little chapter here the transition between those povs feels so cinematic to me like i can just picture the camera like we we just watch vin and ellen leave and then like stick around with season pan around to see his like smiling facade just drop mm -hmm. i'm just yeah. picturing the camera like swiveling on a pole or or not on a pole, but like you know, like r orbiting around. So like looking at Sazed and then orbiting, so it's behind Sazed in the third person view, <laughs> watching as they leave, like a video game cinematic. It's like that one shot in in Titanic where you're getting over the shoulder shots of uh, Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet dancing together, and they're spinning really fast. So a cameraman is just sprinting in a circle around them. In order to keep up. Anyway, everyone's about to die. <laughs> Much like in the hit film Titanic. Caesar <laughs> got exactly what he wanted, that tricksy bitch. He did. Caesar, <laughs> the tricksy bitch. This is the first time I've described Caesar as a tricksy bitch. You were busting out little inky boy earlier. You don't have a foot to stand on here. It's gonna be Marsh. He is a little inky boy. Get over it. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. That wraps up our section. Uh, in I do, which... before we fully wrap up, yeah? I have a couple of just specific lines that I really loved. Okay. Um, the, the, there's a point where Ellen says, I don't, much how, I don't know how much time we have. And it it says Seized paused for a moment and then continued doing like the surgery. And I thought that was just a really good detail. I really like that. Um, one of my, possibly my favorite line in the whole book so far is Seized saying, it is not an easy time in which to live. That does not mean that it has to be a difficult time to love. Um, that was a really, really good line. I really like that. Um, and then speaking of the uh, transition, the fact that Ellen ends his section saying it seemed that everything had worked out fine in the end is just heartbreaking knowing what's probably going to happen next. Yeah. But yeah, that is uh, that's the end of Knives, a part in which there were knives. Many. <laughs> and so where do we go from here? We go to snow and ash. Let's get into it. Also, yes, Caleb is factually correct. Snow and ash is where we go from here. Yes, the, yeah, the the next section. Um, <laughs> I think this is another one of uh, no new cast joining us, which is advantageous because we've got things to discuss. Yeah, <laughs> for casting out nobody? Question mark. Yeah, no, we're uh, we're pretty set at this point. Yeah. So in that case, uh, we've got predictions to make we've got things to to think about uh but also if there's just like impact of things that we've learned that you want to bring up i am up for that as well sure yeah i got i got one that falls into the category sam you can go first all right uh 
so I did write down like uh, my little uh, scorebook here. Um, I was right about the counterfeit money being important. Hooray. Uh, Set does appear to be heading home. Uh, it wasn't Docs, and I'm really disappointed. Docs was not the imposter. Um, I will say it, it, it lacked a little bit of the emotional edge of a core crew member dying, um, but it does have that edge through the personification of quote-unquote Orsor through the book. So, all right, that little betrayal it makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, uh, as a as a painful thing, um, I had a quick turnaround correct prediction that someone else was going to figure out Duralamin, uh, in this case Zane. Uh, and I think I was part right about who's going to go north. I know they got Vin and Spook. Uh, yes, those Temple. two you did mention. Yep, Ellen, I really thought was not going to go. <laughs> Yeah, I also, that was definitely not on my board. Yeah. All right. Do we, do we want Caleb to do his... Uh, yeah, no, let's let's check in with uh, Caleb what you've you've got so far, and then we will return to Sam to look onward then. Yeah, I I guess my main thing is with the, the Tensoon twist as well. It was very good. I kind of agree with Sam that it's not quite as emotional since all the uh, um, crew members are alive as of right now um but yeah i i also i am both impressed i'm kicking myself a little bit for never having even considered that and i think the reason why i didn't really consider that um is that the idea of chandra imitating each other is something that's never been brought up and it's been we, we've had so much focus on how does it work when a chandra is imitating a person okay you need the bones um you need to spend a bunch of time with the other person um and we got a lot of that info from Tensoon, so there might mm -hmm. be a couple of things in there that aren't quite reliable. Um, but the idea of a Chandra impersonating another Chandra is just not a concept that I'd even thought of, because the whole reason you use a Chandra is to imitate a human. Um, so I, it's it's a very well executed twist because the way Chandra have worked, the idea of them impersonating one another is something that had never entered my mind. But you do get a different kind of emotional payoff of the development of their relationship has a literal plot impact. And that comes to a head as well of she's able to survive via the power of friendship, basically. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, I guess it's just when when the spy imposter was brought up, I expected to be feeling a bunch of certain emotions when the reveal actually happened. And then it turned out to be a lot of the opposite emotions when the traitor was revealed and then also revealed, but I still do really care about you, Vin. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, again, I'm not saying it falls flat. I'm just saying what I was expecting from the twist did not occur because of the way the twist yeah. was written. Um, but I do agree that there was still some really cool uh, um, emotional and plot work happening there. Um, and then it's also, again, this is before Tensoon really bonded with Vin at all, but it is a little funny looking back um, uh, that, um, uh, you know, Ten Soon, I think, very intentionally left a second body so that they would know there was a traitor. Mm -hmm. um, either that or Ten Soon just very bad at hiding bodies. But um, I assume that wasn't intentional, which I assume was also meant to give away there is a traitor and that was trying to sow distrust amongst the crew. And it's very funny that Vin was so dead set on not thinking about the traitor that that didn't really work at all. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. And because she kept it so secret as well, uh, it didn't really, it didn't have the chance to to panic everyone else. Yeah, thinking back, like, part of it is, I think Vin got lucky, but my my theory was, or my idea was, yeah, if you clear someone off the list, tell them about the Chandra and have them, like, working on that 24-7 and we'll be able to flush them out eventually. And I guess they sort of did that because Ham knew about the traitor and it's never clear when they told him that. But, yeah, keeping it so secret in the long run did help make sure that they didn't all suspect each other of being traitors um and the fact that it was or sort the whole time yeah that and in that specific regard turned out very well all right and uh yeah no i i was unable to avoid spoiling the fact that beth and i both really like tensoon and, and we'll see more of him later but uh tensoon. yeah we will we'll perhaps get to look at what the uh the consequences of the way that that all went down was all right. So, uh, heading into the rest of the book, we have two sections left, uh, part five and part six. Uh, part six is much shorter than any other section we've done. It is only going to be a single episode, uh, two episodes for part five. And there's, uh, I mean, there's there's a, a battle that's about to happen. There's a well of ascension that hopefully is going to get found. Uh, <laughs> there's... Um, there's some things that are are gonna have to go down in these these last three episodes. Uh, so, Sam, what is your read on what we've got left? Sure. Uh, let's see. Um, I've got uh, just a couple uh, things to predict here. Um, I think that uh, it's weird that we've heard so many characters confirm this, including Straff's own child. Uh, I think that what's going to happen is what Club says, what I think <laughs> Ham says, what Zane says, is that Straff's going to faint to withdraw, Kolos are going to attack, and then Straff's going to move in. Okay. Um, it would be weird if everyone was wrong. Yeah, no, som <laughs> sometimes there's a twist, and sometimes the twist would just be, like, awkward and out of place. It, it would be obsequious if, if that didn't Ooh. happen. Good wordly wise word. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, says it's going to be haunted by his lying. He's going to worry about the group going up north the whole time. Uh, we're going to have a section, or, or like... Uh, Maybe not a full chapter, but a little bit of Sazed, like, uh, you know, character building, like, oh, I'm so worried. Why'd I do this? And, like, starting to see himself kind of like Quan, maybe. Mm. Let's see. Maybe not doubting that, you know, Vin's the, the hero of ages, but, like, oh, my God, you know, I know how he felt or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, let's see. Uh, Sazed's fake map. Uh, is not going to get them all killed, but it's probably going to get someone killed. Uh, <laughs> because what's really at the top of Mount Duratatith is nothing. Uh, but they're going to spend a damn long time trying to look for something that isn't there in the freezing cold. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would like it better if, if Sazed had said something like, I'll show you where the prophecy says the well is. 
But he said, I can draw you a map to where the well is. Drawing fake maps is not something friends should do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it's a trope. It's called Fool's Map. Um, the the section is, or the, the page for Fool's Map is extremely underpopulated, but this happens a lot. Somebody draws a map and they're like, look, it's not a, <laughs> this is the true map. And it turns out to not be. Um, anyway, let's see. Uh, book's end. We'll, we'll get to the, the nitty gritty, the meat and potatoes. Uh, in Luthadel, uh, the crew's going to do the whole it's been a pleasure thing and do a heroic sacrifice trope. Okay. Uh, we'll finally see clubs kill something. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe just normal soldiers. I doubt he could kill a coloss, but he'll fight. Um, we'll, we'll see ham-like conflict, and I think Caleb will get his ham death wish uh, finally. Oh boy, it's happening! <laughs> and then uh, I th- I just this is like a hope. I hope Brandon is cool enough to do this. Maybe he's saving in his back pocket. I don't know. I would really like Sazed to fight a coloss. And kill it. That would be like with his with his fair chemi. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. That would be extremely badass. Swolzed, Swolzed returns. <laughs> Swolzed returns. Swolzed did return for a hot second this section. He did, yeah. That's true. Swolzed does the Ant Man thing and and becomes an extreme size and, and punches a Leviathan in the jaw, hearkening back to uh, Endgame. Uh, meanwhile, up north, uh, Vin will follow the pulses with bronze to find where the well actually is, Sazed. Okay. I mean, that is, that is kind of the question is, if Sazed just made up where the well is, where is it actually? I feel like you could just orienteer your way over there. I think it's probably in that area. Um, But we spent 10 years looking for Bin Laden in mountains. So... uh. <laughs> Finding things in mountains is not easy. Yeah, there. I mean, there's a lot of space on the map that our characters have not been to. Yep, and uh, mountains can have caves. Man, I can't wait for Ellen to come back down out of those mountains and go, ladies and gentlemen, we got it. <laughs> got him. We got him. Wasn't that Saddam? Or was that... Been, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I, I don't least... memorize my <laughs> We Have Killed a Terrorist press conferences. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, back swiftly back to the book. Yes. Uh, Tindwell's going to reunite with a synod uh, and possibly convince them to do something, even though Sazed was lying about that, like a lying liar pants. <laughs> uh, I think Ellen will will convince some terrorist troops to follow him to Luthadel. Uh, so everybody's going to have a little bit of something to do when they're up north. A little little gain to be made, and I think Spook's going to discover something about himself. He's going to grow as a character up north. He's going to do some badass stuff, because there's four of them. Every every one of them's going to have some screen time. Okay. We can hope, for, for their sake. Maybe we'll even see a Spook POV. That'd be cool. Um, I think someone's going to get Oregon trailed. Uh... I doubt it's going to be any of the crew members, uh, but you have to establish the danger of the trip. The, you, so you think that the trip itself will be a a dangerous element? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, they brought up, you know, Terrace in the mountains. It's it's cold there just in general. It's also now winter. Um, and, you know, it's the, the wilds, you know, the trekking through the wilds. It's, it's treacherous stuff. Um, I think they're maybe going to pick somebody up pretty early on who uh, will join them and then die. Okay. Croak. Uh, so we'll see. Um, and then with them picking up the army and then Luthadel fighting the book will end. Um, I think the actual retaking Luthadel is for the third book. Um, mm, okay. Absent some strange off-camera plot twists I can't imagine, uh, I don't know what else is going to be in the third book. If not, let's go take back Luthadel. It would be an interesting kind of, it would be kind of a parallel to the section uh, or to to Ellen's um, leadership where we begin the book with the, with Luthadel having been uh, liberated from the Lord Ruler. And then at the end of the book, we lose it again, where we had, we had Ellen taking the throne and then losing it. Right. It would have a, a strange sort of poetic flow to it. Okay. So, uh, and I would like at least once more for Ash Fell from the Sky to appear in this book. That would that'd, also be, be good, and be I'm now going to check. <laughs> I I know it it appears at least one or once or twice more in the series, but I don't know if it's at the end of Well or if it's in Hero of Ages. I think it's in this one. I mean, I bet it's in both, but I feel like I'm remembering that specific moment all right as i am uh let's see okay uh i won't tell you because we'll see when it comes up (laughs) (laughs) we will see rafo rafo on the use of this phrase i really hope it's like next page (laughs) it could be i mean the section's called snow and ash so Mm -hmm. okay uh i like the we've got predictions about the the fight we've got predictions about the the journey about the well uh and about what we're going to be looking at in the next book okay uh and then that brings us to caleb and what you have for us for the end of this section um uh, all right yeah i got a i got a handful of things today um (laughs) so the first thing i want to talk about is how fascinating it is that um I, I read a line and I like made little squinty eyes at it of, hmm, I wonder what's happening there. And Sam just went, yeah, this is 100% what's happening here. Um, is the last line of the part is that, um, uh, where is it? Sazed went to his rooms to fabricate the map he had promised to Vin and Elland. And I saw fabricate and I was like, hmm, he just talked about fabricating mythology. Is the map itself going to be fake? And Sam was like, yeah, 100%. It's all going to be fake. Um, <laughs> it's I, I know Sezet is sending them on a, a wild goose chase. I know he's just trying to get them out of the city. But I at least figured the map itself would be pointed to the location where they think the Well of Ascension is. Because we do. I have, I have to trust. I should have learned earlier in the book not to trust it. But the map at the front of the book does have on it... Um, Mount Deratadith, historic location of the Well of Ascension. And the fact that it says historic location makes me think people do think the well is or was there. And that's not just Sezed making that shit up. 
Um, unless the map in the front of the book is meant to be Seizet's map, in which case, I guess, maybe. But um, I, I do think it, it is historically known that the well is there. I don't think Seizet is really lying about that. I do think Seizet thinks there's nothing to find there. Um, but I don't think Seizet's giving them a fake map itself. Um, but it is curious. The phrasing of fabricate is, is a curious one. Um, so uh, I did wonder about that. We'll get back into that later. Again, I've got a lot. Um, short term, uh, that fight between Vin and Zane had a lot of talk of the mists entering the room. Um, and I just have a real bad feeling. I think Zane is dead, but I have a real bad feeling that when they come back to the room, Zane's body will be gone for oh some boy. reason. That's oh ju- boy. That's, that's just what I'm thinking. I don't have a specific guess or theory as to why. That's just my guess is Zane's body will be gone. Um, because it's the mist filling it in, I guess my main thing is the mist spirits are involved in some way. Um, but that is my thought. Um, in the near-ish future, Seized is definitely going to die. He, like I said, he's been putting up all the, the red flags. Um, I have to guess that Ham dies out of principle. Um, I am also guessing that Docs will die. Um, I do think, I don't think it's going to be a complete massacre. And so... Even though he has the least fighting prowess out of all of the crew, I am going to put a guess that Breeze lives through this fight. Um, we've been getting a lot of point of view from him recently, and you could say the same thing about Kelsier and he died. But um, <laughs> I feel like Breeze is definitely, within this book, Brandon's favorite of the crew. Um, <laughs> and I, I think they might he might find a way for Breeze to not die in the upcoming battle. And then just for fun, don't have a lot of tips on this one, but maybe clubs will live. I'm just going to say maybe clubs lives. Um, uh, next up on my list, Marsh is, I, I think, here, our little inky boy himself. Um, you keep saying that. I, I don't know what the problem is. I think it's a very normal description to give to a character like this. Um, I think he is going to be... Perhaps the uh, uh, similar to one of Sam's guesses, he's going to be the one that joins them on the journey. I think he will probably um, uh, also depart there. Um, but I think there's also a chance he stays and maybe he's a, a hidden weapon in the fight. Again, I think there's going to be a lot of people who die in this fight, but I do wonder um, if there's going to be some secret. I, I think Marsh could definitely be a, a hidden weapon that they didn't even know they had up their sleeveys um, that is able to... <laughs> bring some kind of insight to how the Coloss work or how the mists work that might help them um, save the day in some way um, or win the day rather. Um, so I'm curious what role Marsh will play. I think I put more money on him going with the uh, Well of Ascension crew, but there's a chance he stays in the city and helps people there. Um, I think they are going to reach the site of the Well of Ascension and find nothing there. I think that is going to be the big twist. Um, I already guessed they find the well and there's nothing in the well. I am changing my guess to the well itself has been moved somehow. Hmm. Um, And they just find an empty cave and they find scraps and they're like, well, the well definitely used to be here, but there's nothing helpful here at all. Um, I think... The we will leave that crew on um, them headed to the synod. I think that will be a next book thing, but that's the next point on their destination. Because as we see in the cool map, 
um, that uh, the uh, historic location of the Well of Ascension uh-huh. is either in... Yeah, it is in the Terrace Dominus. Yes. So it it is either... The Sinai will presumably be either on the way or in the area. Um, but I feel like that's a lot of plot and probably new characters to be introducing um, at the end of this book. So I think that's going to be left to next one is... To get to the, and also the urgency of getting to the Well of Ascension is a thing in itself. So I think Well of Ascension is destination one. They find out there's nothing helpful there. And then they're like, well, we have to go to the Synod now. And that's where we leave them for this book. That's where we're picking up next time. Okay. Um, and in fact, I'm going to go ahead and say next time we, we pick up on them in the next book, they will have already arrived. It's going to like our first Vin POV chapter will be her talking about, wow, the Synod is really wild. Look how wacky the Synod is. That's my, that's, that's my guess. Um, I, I keep going back to why is Credit Shaw important? And I think I'm going to double down on a theory that is similar to one I had in Final Empire. And it doesn't quite make sense yet. I don't know what the thing is. But I'm still guessing the powers of the Well of Ascension and perhaps the Well of Ascension itself has been moved to Credit Shaw. And there's something really important about that shack. I have no idea how they haven't found it yet. It's been specified that they've been tearing up the rugs and the flooring looking for Adium. I don't know how anyone would have missed this, but there's something important hiding in Credit Shaw. And I think uh, Inquisitor, who again, I think is Marsh, skulking around there is another uh, indicator of that. Is something about Credit Shaw specifically is important. And uh, my, my, my main guess is it's the Well of Ascension, but there's something happening there. Um, I don't think... Vin will be able to triangulate the location of the Well of Ascension because she specifies in this chapter um, she can't tell where it's coming from. And I feel like Brandon would very much have it be, oh, she felt a pulse coming from the north, and that's why she knows she needs to go to the Well of Ascension. Um, But uh, she very much specifies, no, it's a pulsing in my head, and I don't know where it's coming from. I just know it's the well. And says it's like, yep, yep, it's definitely the well. It's definitely the well. Go to the Mount Deratita. That's where you have to go. Um, So... Uh, I think the pulsing, I think another reason the pulsing might be strong is because she's currently in Luthadel and it might be a kind of scary realization for her is the pulsing gets weaker the further Mm. away she gets. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen or if the pulsing is just going to be constant no matter what, but um, that is a possibility. I don't have a lot of thoughts on what the fuck's happening with Zane, but we know he's like (laughs) half Inquisitor. He has a spike in him. That he does. But he... But he also mentions that he snaps like Kelsier did. So he talked, but he could have been lying about that. Or was that in his POV? I don't remember anymore. Um, I believe it was in his POV when he mentioned he snapped. Okay, so it's not just that unless he's using the word snap to refer to the same process, which would be weird because Kelsier was just like, yeah, I got really stressed and that's why this happened. (laughs) Um, It would be weird if... um, uh, Zane was using the same terminology to be like, yes, when I was experimented on as a child and they hammered a stake into my chest, it was the same. <laughs> I snapped. It, that's the same thing. Can you imagine that I snapped from that? Um, but I feel like there's 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 something happening there. Obviously, there's something happening there. Um, I don't have a lot of firm guesses. I wonder if maybe he was... I don't know, born as a misting and then was experimented on to become a mistborn because that's kind of how the Inquisitors work is um, 
I think, I don't know if it's been confirmed they all start as mistings, but at least some of them, like Marsh, started as mistings. And it's then because been of all the stakes. Yeah, it's been confirmed that the Ministry prefers to to pick mistings. I think that's what Marsh said last book. Okay. Um, yep. So, yeah, I wonder if he was, if Zane also was just a misting and then because of some Inquisitor-esque um, experimentation was able to get full-on Mistborn powers. And that's another thing that, like, the book has never really, like, directly talked about all that much is the fact that the Inquisitors can use all of the metals. Um, we know it's probably because of the spikes in some way, but there's never been any, like, look into the science of that. And I wonder if we ever will. I hope we do. Um, so, okay. Now we're going all over the place at this point. All right. Um, <laughs> Wait, before before we move too far on, how... How would the well be moved? I, that also, like, is it, yeah. Is that... it, did they build something new? Or like, are they going to find an empty well and like the magic got scooped out of that one and poured somewhere else? I no, the magic was. So my theory, my working theory so far, and I'm not fully giving up on it, is that the magic was gone when the Lord Ruler took it up. And my original guess is maybe the Lord Ruler's, maybe the magic is slowly returning now that the Lord Ruler is dead. But I don't know if that's the case necessarily. Um, but you know, you, you can move like buildings. They, they've relocated very large objects. Like that's a thing that you can do by just careful excavation and then movement. Um, I have, I have a story to tell about that, but it completely derails this. So I'm going to save it till our sign off. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm picturing like a structure that is less than the size of a bedroom and you can, if you are careful, move such a thing around. Um, so that, that's kind of what I had in my head. Okay. I think at this point I was picturing a well a little more literally as like a water well, like a, a pit in the ground that you're digging yeah, something out of. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think, yeah, I guess I haven't really been picturing that. I've just, I think I've just kind of been picturing, you know, it resembles a well, it's a okay. basin of sorts, but, but it's, um, it's a, it's a fantasy object that gets a cool name. So, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I, yeah, well, it's magical. It's not like the fact that it's... It's not like the, the waters of Mount Deratatith are vital, I don't think. Maybe that is what it is, but I that's not what my assumption was. Um, I assumed it was because it was holding something within it. Got it. Um, and in that case, it would be movable. Um, the waters of Mount Deratatith sounds really cool, and I want to steal that for D&D now. <laughs> fair enough. Um, so... Yeah, I think, yeah, I'll stick with that theory. I think there's going to be special powers in the well, and I think the well somehow has been moved to Luthadel. Or maybe it was in Luthadel the whole time. In in my, in the first, in Final Empire thing, my theory was that the shack, the Luthadel, Credit Shaw, and then Luthadel were all built around that one shack, and that one shack's really important. And I still think that's a cool idea. So I'll just stick with that for now. I could be completely wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. Um. Anyways... Um, I had the thought of, are all Alamancers maybe descended from the Lord Ruler in some way? He's been around for a thousand years. Um, it's been established that all the Chondra call him father, the Coloss were all created, and my working theory is that the Well of Ascension gave him Alamancic powers, so maybe all Alamancers are descended from him, in which case it would make all Alamancers, at least partially, also have Terrace blood as well, and that also ties into maybe 
that's why Vin was in some way able to draw on the mists is because Farukami was fresh on the mind in that scene. And so she was just kind of like, without really knowing it, connecting those two parts of her brain together. I don't know. I'm, this this one I'm not putting a ton of stake into, but it's an interesting thing to think about. I will move that into the would-be interesting column. I'm not saying it probably won't happen, but I am saying it's a would-be okay. interesting if. Okay. Um, and then, okay, I have a question for Sam before I proceed. Uh-oh. Who do you think are the epigraphs of the Hero of Ages are going to be written by? Uh, I, th- I think it Rashek would make sense. Okay. I am now at like a 50-50 split, so I will now change my theory to my other one. Um, it's good to get good theory distribution here. Yeah, I <laughs> think it's bets. It, yeah, it'd be. I think uh, yeah, I think it'd be fun if if one of us takes one and one of us takes the other. So if you're if you if you are thinking Rashik, um my thing was I've already told Beth this. I have a really really good feeling that all of the writings uh, Sazed has been compiling are going to end up as epigraphs. My initial thought was that'll be an Era 2 thing. Um, but the texts are specifically about Hero of Ages, and I don't know if the Hero of Ages prophecy is going to be all that important in Era 2. And now that Seize is putting up a bunch of death flags and is probably about to die, it would be a very bittersweet mm, thing yeah. to have the Book 3 epigraphs be all of Seize's writings. They would all then be of characters who had an impact and have now died, but this one at a very different time scale. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will I will change definitely theory that says its writings will be epigraphs. Um, I am changing my official theory that Hero of Ages will specifically be those writings. Okay. Okay. Still still doing a lot here. Um, I got <laughs> I got two more big ones. Um, one. Back to Zane. I, I I firmly apologize for keep having to bring him back. But what the fuck was up with the voice? <laughs> um, I sure hope we get an answer on that, and I feel like we will. Um, but it has to be some. It, if it's important, and we don't know what it is yet, then it's gotta be like a ghost, right? I, a ghosts don't feel like they lend themselves to this specific brand of fantasy. But that's if we're going to get more answers then I feel like the only way it makes sense is if that voice starts showing up for someone else next. I am guessing that Vin will start to hear that voice. Um, and I, this, there aren't a ton of suspects. My guess is that the voice is Quan, maybe? because Okay, so you're thinking someone long dead. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I had a theory at one point that it was Lord Ruler, but as I think I said when I made that guess... Zane started hearing the voice before Lord Ruler died, so that didn't quite make sense. Um, so if it end, if it does end up being Lord Ruler, then I'm stupid. But um, I my my voice is my my theory is that it's going to be Quan because Quan's whole thing that we know about is that he's he he thought he knew who the Hero of Ages was, and now he doesn't know. Now he's not sure, and now he knows that Elendi can't be the one to do, and then. We're all thinking Vin is the hero of ages, and all of a sudden we find out, oh, the voice doesn't want Vin dead for some reason? That's mysterious. Um, so I think the voice also thinks Vin is the hero of ages, and I think it would make most sense if that character ends up being Quan, because Quan is all about figuring out who the hero of ages is. So that is my guess there. 
And then the last one, I don't have a lot of specifics for, but oh boy, I do really want to go back and uh, cross-reference every single epigraph against what Sazed <laughs> wrote down now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm so curious, should I do that before I start the next reading or should I do it after? I think I'm going to do it after um, because I wouldn't have picked up on this until, Justin, you really emphasize the two are not the same. Um, so if it turns out that key information we're getting is it within the next reading, then I will just um, take that L and and admit that I didn't actually figure anything out. But if we don't get answers by the next of next book uh, by the end of next session, um, I will also go back and try and figure out more theories in that regard. I don't have a lot for you right now, but if the questions are not already answered, I will have more theories next time. Um, it is no matter what happens assuming that's all intentional that the two are not the same, it is wild that we are reading Quan's epigraphs and we are reading Sezed's rubbing of the epigraphs. It's not like we're reading two completely different texts that are just talking about similar things. We are reading the same text that appears to have been altered. Um, so it's not just like the Worldbringers version of the prophecy. It is someone else's version of what Quan said. Um, and... What exactly that means, I don't know. Who or why they would have done that, I don't know. Why did the Inquisitors hold on to this inscription, I don't know. Why is the only key detail I noticed Elendi's height, I don't know. You <laughs> think there would be question. more discrepancies? <laughs> I, I mean, like, yeah, it's the the fact that the height would be altered is definitely making Elendi out to seem even more heroic than he was. But it doesn't answer the question of why that detail specifically and. You know, there might be more discrepancies, but why is that the most noticeable one? It's a weird, it's a weird detail to get wrong um, or to purposefully change. Um, and then I don't really have any answers on this, but what the fuck is up with the people taking out the passage from Sazed's and Tindwell's writings? What is that? <laughs> um, my only theory there is that, I guess, because Vin opens the window a bunch, there's a chance the mists could have gotten in. So maybe the mist spirit cut it out. Like I said, the fact that all of the carved, like the specific, it's not just the sentence that got carved out, it's the specific shape of the carving is exactly the same. Makes me think it has to be a, a magical entity doing this. Um, so I, my guess is it's the mist spirit, but it's still weird that they wouldn't have noticed that happened. And it's weird that that information had to be taken away if Sazed has it memorized. I don't, I don't, unless... God damn it. Um, <laughs> unless that sentence is really integral to something that they need to show the synod and they're like, well, you don't have proof of this specific sentence, so we don't believe you. Or someone on the synod is in on it and is purposefully sabotaging them. But how did a terrorist get in unnoticed? Unless it's Tindwill, and I hope it's not, sure hope it's not. But if Tindwell is purposefully sabotaging the writings, that would be bad. Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it, I don't think it would be, but there's not a lot of suspects. I don't know, man. I'm going crazy here. Yeah. But are you okay, <laughs> I dude? Say, I feel no, like the last no. 20 minutes have just been your descent. <laughs> I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Um, but, uh. These are all of the things that I'm thinking about, dear listener, and I hope that all of those ramblings were entertaining to listen to. Um, Let me tell I'm, you, they were. I'm it, going insane, yes. but 
does a madman not need to trust his own experience <laughs> over others? Yeah, no, from well. from from both sides this episode, uh, this has been some some good theorizing, which tracks yes. with all the things that we just learned. Like there was a lot to go over. I started yeah. this being like, yeah, we Zane died and we learned about the Tensoon thing, and now I'm here like, oh, oh, oh my god, ah. <laughs> Uh, over the course of all of the theorizing collectively in the spoiler channel, I we awarded 110,150 podcast points. Okay. But, you know, we've also, we have some very different scales on what deserves podcast points and what doesn't. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's a really complex, accurate algorithm. And weirdly, there were four predictions that were correct, and they all were worth the same amount of points, and it just ended up as that weird number somehow. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> all right. Uh, this has been, uh, once the edit goes through, it will likely be our longest episode. We did have a lot to discuss, so I do want to... I was going to say, rightfully so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I do want to draw things to a close, though. Uh... Somebody stop me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, man. <laughs> Uh, we have we have three episodes remaining in the book. Uh, they are going to go back down to the more typical size, um, which although the the chapter sizes are still varying. So uh, our next episode will be uh, only three chapters: forty nine, fifty, and fifty one. Uh, and then after that, it will be finishing part five and then finishing the book. So very excited about these uh, these last couple of episodes. Hooray! If you want to, if you want to hear what we have uh, upcoming for those episodes, you can find all of them at alwaysanotherpodcast.com once they come out. Uh, you can also get in touch with us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com via email. Uh, we love to to hear those discussions, see what's going to happen at the end of this book and going on into Hero of Ages. Uh, you can also be notified of our new episodes and other miscellaneous thoughts on Twitter at alwaysanotherpod, uh, as well as see what we are thinking about as the episodes go up on Instagram at alwaysanotherpod. Those are the places you can find us, and I don't think I've left anything out. Except my building moving story. Yes, my story about moving a building. Uh so my freshman year of high school it's high school it's not middle school don't worry uh in my history class uh the desk that i sat at most of the time uh across me there was a window that looked out onto a busy road uh and at some point in class uh i saw a house get moved down the street uh which like caleb said it is a thing you can you can lift a building up put it on a giant flatbed and and move it it's rare and it was kind of cool to see but i saw that this house drive by um the next semester uh i swear the same house going the other direction (laughs) (laughs) wrong one put it back (laughs) i didn't like it over there yeah no that that was my assumption was they just got sick of it after six months and wanted to go home you know when you want to go on vacation and you got to bring your whole house? We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> Relatable. Yep. All right. And I think now that I've told that story, I think that means that I can uh, 
wrap the episode up. So, uh, <laughs> again, thank you everyone for listening. We will be back next week with more of Well of Ascension. And that's it. See you later. That's he was it. of short stature, Brandon. <laughs> was he? I don't know! Ha <laughs> ha